Good evening. Um, we're holding, we're beginning anew again, Bereshis, all from the beginning all over again. And every time we study the Torah, we're always going in a spiral, higher and deeper. So uh, we are fortunate that um, even though we've done quite a lot of Torah or, and we're pretty much pretty much finished the book pretty much finished the book um, didn't finish the book but we finished most of the discourses but and then I you know look further in Parshas and Sefer Bereshis most of the Parshios we don't have even any any Torah or because it's all already we learned it already nothing wrong with learning it again but as I mentioned I like to record uh, new memorim and new things that have not been studied before. Um, so for Parshas Noyach Lech Lecha, Vayera Chaisara told us all the way till Parshas Vayeshev, we learned all the memorim. So we have to find other Hasidis to learn. Um, however, for Parshas Bereshis, there is still three memorim that we haven't studied. So we're going to learn now one of those. This is on in Dav Dalid. I'm sorry, Dav Beis in Torah Or. Dav Beis Amid Dalid. It's the fourth column. It's the second side of Dav Beis, which is on page four, the in the second column of page four at the bottom. It says Bir Aranal. It's it's actually an explanation um, on the previous discourse. Um, we know that the Alter Rebbe would say, and we learned we spoke about this many times. He would give a Hasidic discourse, and then he would give an explanation to further elucidate on the discourse, to further explain. The, however, usually the explanation is far more complicated than the initial discourse. That's the way it usually works. Uh, the discourse is usually more Hasidic. The explanation is usually more the, he takes you into the, into the, underlying infrastructure of the Hasidus, the Kabbalistic ideas in which the Hasidic is built around. The Hasidus is built around. So it's usually uh, easier to learn the discourses and harder to learn the explanations. Um, and this is true in this case as well. The Mimer itself we learned a few years ago. I have to check if it's up on the website. I think it is. Um, and this is the explanation on that discourse. Uh, and it basic and it talks about heaven and earth. What the first part in the beginning God created heaven and earth. And it, it gives us a much deeper understanding of what is heaven and what is earth. What is heaven, what is earth, meaning what is the soul of heaven, what is the soul of earth? I mean heaven and earth we know. Since the, as he begins in, in the Mimer itself, he says, since the world was created for the sake of the Torah and for the sake of the Jewish people, as Rashi says, is the meaning of the word biracious, for the sake of that which is called racious, God created heaven and earth. So since the heaven and earth were created for the sake of the Torah and the Jewish people, we have to say that in the Jewish people and in the Torah there is heaven and earth as well. It's just like there is a physical material heaven and earth, there is a heaven and earth that is within the Torah. So in the discourse that he explained earlier, he explained mainly, primarily, 
that the Jewish people are earth and the Torah is heaven. And when it says God created the beginning, God creates heaven and earth, what it really, on the deeper level, besides heaven and earth, means in the beginning, there is the Jewish people and there is, heaven, and there is the Torah. And just in short, the idea that he explains why the Jewish people called earth, because the essence of the etymology of the word aretz, Hebrew word for earth, is rutz. Rutz meaning the racing, the running, the yearning. Also from the word ratzon, desire. So the Jewish people, our souls, are in a constant state of yearning. This week we learned in the parasha how God separated Chava from Adam. And really she's a part of Adam, but she was separated from him. And as a result of that separation, it says, Hashem says to Chava, You're always going to long to go back to your husband because you are really from him, so you're going to pull to your source. So too, the Jewish neshamis are Chava, and Hashem is Adam. See, heaven and earth is male and female. Heaven is male, earth is female. And the relationship is like male and female. Because the, the heaven is mashpia, it's, it's rain, it's hashpa to the earth, and the earth becomes pregnant, conceives it, right? The earth becomes pregnant from the hashpa, and then the earth gives forth vegetation. So heaven and earth is male and female, same like Adam and Chava. And just like Adam and Chava were really one, and then they became two, and then Chava yearns to go back to oneness, to cleave, as it says, the, the, the woman will, will yearn for her husband. In the same way, earth, which means the, all the Jewish souls, yearn for the divine. Yearn and long and pine and, and are constantly uh, you know, thirsting for, for, for godliness, for holiness. And that is the um, that is the idea of earth, and he says that is expressed primarily as we're going to see it in this mimer as well. Where do we express our soul? Where does our neshama come out? Which part of our Jewish experience expresses our soul? That's prayer. Prayer is when you're supposed to reveal your neshama, come into touch with your soul. Feel what your soul feels. Unblock your neshama. And the neshama yearns. So therefore, what is the essence of the aretz? The essence of the aretz is the Jewish souls that are continuously and constantly yearning for God. That's aretz. What is shamayim? Shamayim is the Torah and the mitzvahs. Because just like, just like uh, heaven pours water down to the earth, and really the, the heaven is responding to the earth. Because when the earth is thirsty, it sends up, it gets heated up by the sun, and it sends up a vapor, a mist. That's the earth really telling the heaven, I'm thirsty. Give me something to drink. And then the heaven responds and showers the earth with, with, with water. And it's cooling and it's quenching the thirst of the earth. So too, Torah quenches the thirst of a soul. As the soul yearns for God and wants to attach itself to the Ein Sof, 
and it knows that the Ain Sof is unreachable and untouchable and unconnectable because God, no matter how high I will, no matter how much my understanding is, it's not God because God transcends that. So I want and I yearn and I long for, re- for reunion with Hashem, but I can't have it unless Hashem extends Himself to me. And how does Hashem extend Himself to me? Through Torah. Because God invests Himself in the Torah. And through the Torah, God channels His light, His infinite light, His infinite and endless abundant tashpah down to the neshama. So that's the shamayim and that's the aretz. So in other words, He explains that, that, that um, aretz and shamayim is ratzoi v'shuv. Ratzoi means racing upward, which is what the neshama does, in mainly an exercise of prayer. As we pray and we yearn, and in prayer itself, it's mainly the prior part of prayer. Prayer until we get to Shemona Esrei. It's beginning with the Psukha de Zimra, in which we're fanning the verses of song, Ashrei, Hallelujah, in which we're fanning the flames of the soul and trying to ignite the soul until we reach the ultimate rapture of the soul, which happens on Shema, where you love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your, all your might. And then after that, you begin channeling. Once you reach Shemona Esrei, you're not expressing anymore your thoughts and feelings as you're yearning for God. You're already saying Baruch Atta. Baruch Atta means you're opening up a flow. You're already acting as a channel. And godliness is being channeled. The infinite is being channeled through you. And when, you, when you're done Shemona Esrei, when you open up a Sefer, a Torah, and you read, and you learn Torah, you continue the channeling even more. You intensify the channeling. And then, and then when you do a mitzvah, after you leave the shul, after you leave your stu- the, to- the Torah study hall, and you go out in the street, and you give tzedakah, or you do some other kind of a mitzvah, that's, even, that's the ultimate channeling. Because you're bringing God's light down into the world. So these are the two dynamics. Ratzah Yivashuv, Eretz and Shamayim. Shamayim, the etymology of the word is more mayim, water, which is flowing down. Eretz is yearning, up. A thirst, a longing, up. That's the meaning of Eretz Shamayim as it applies to the inner world and to the soul of Eretz Shamayim. But in the Haftorah that we're going to read this Shabbos, on Shabbos Bereshis, it mentions that when Mashiach comes, there is going to be a new Shamayim and a new Eretz. Ki Shamayim talks about when Mashiach comes and God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. So what does that mean? If we say that heaven and earth, if we say that heaven and earth are the Jewish people, their ratzai, their yearning for godliness, and, and, and heaven is the shuv, the responding of godly light to the neshama, through Torah and mitzvahs, so what is the new heaven and the new earth that is going to be after Mashiach comes? So he goes on to explain that an amazing thing, that after Mashiach comes and the world achieves already total union and perfect harmony with God, which is going to be all of creation is going to be perfectly attached to Hashem, the whole prayer, the whole avoda of racing, of prayer, which we have ratzai, is really gonna is gonna expire. Rather, it's 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 gonna be irrelevant anymore. It's not gonna be necessary anymore. And the reason for that is because the whole power of Ratzai, the 
the whole beauty of the Ratzai is that the, as the Neshama feels trapped, the Neshama feels trapped in the concealments and the blockages and the, in the state of separation. It feels separate. It can't bear the separation. So the soul wants to break out of the boundaries of the body and the boundaries that the limited physical finite world places upon it in terms of it blocking God. And that's why the Neshama has a Ratzai. When Mashiach comes and the whole world becomes transparent to godliness. And even the physical body becomes completely holy and godly. So then there's nowhere to run away from. Where's it running to heaven? Heaven isn't any more godly than earth. Because the whole world's already permeated with godly light. So there's no more ratzai, there's no more running. Racing upward. So if that's the case, so what does it mean there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth? So he explains that after Mashiach comes, there is a different kind of a ratzai and a shuv. A complete different kind of a ratzai and a shuv. But they're both created by God, not by us. That's why it says in the Pasuk, Hashamayim ha-chadoshim va-oretz ha-chadosha ashirani oiseh, that God is making. You see, the heaven and earth that we have now, we're, we're active in that. Because it's our, it's our yearning. The earth is our yearning. The shuv is God's response to our yearning. But when Mashiach comes, and there's no more yearning from below to unify with God because everything is attached. So then there's a different kind of Ratzai Vashuv, an amazing thing. Once the worlds are one with God, all of creation is one with God, then God and the world is like a body and a soul. Now, God and the world, God and us, are like two separate people, two separate entities. So we can yearn to break, to, 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 to eliminate the distance that's separating us. We're yearning to return back into oneness, but we're like two separate beings. When Mashiach comes and the world and Hashem are one seeming, seeming, seemingless, endless, unified entity, and there's no two, there's no separation, so then what is going to be the Ratzai Vashuv? So he says the Ratzai Vashuv is very different. It's like the soul in the body. When the soul is in the body, the energy first is diffused from the heart. Let's say the blood, for instance. The blood carries the life, the life, the life, the soul. The way it works is that the heart is a pump. And the pump pumps the blood outward. And, right, and the blood is, circulates throughout all the limbs of the body. When the blood circulates through the limbs, it carries the, it carries the oxygen throughout the body with that life. But then what happens to the, to the life? The life has to race back to the heart. It has to go back into the life source to re- replenish, and then it can go back out. Now over there, what comes first? The racing to the heart or the pumping out? I mean, it depends which. What's the first, if you can wonder, when a heart begins its first thing, what happens first? Is the blood running to the heart, or is the heart first pumping out? It makes sense that first is a pumping out. In other words, the, the nefesh, is ex- the soul is extending itself to enliven the body. But then it goes back into itself. It returns back into itself and then it extends itself again. That's the way Ratzai Veshuv is going to be after Mashiach comes. Since the worlds are one with God, it's not one too. So then the way it works is that Hashem's deep, inner, innermost light is projected outward to fill the worlds with endless illumination and enlightenment. 
but instantly it retracts back into itself so that it can draw down even higher. And again, out. In and out, and in and out. Different than it is today. Today, the racing, the inward, the, the, the up comes before the down. Because since we are outsiders, since we are creatures that are not godly, we can't learn Torah. In other words, what the Rebbe is really telling us, an interesting thing, in the way the world is today, we can't learn unless we pray. Prayer is needed first. First, you need to, first you need to raise your consciousness and awareness that you want godliness in your life. That Hashem is something important to you. After you pray and you want, you can draw godliness in you. That's because it's possible for us to be not godly. Because our natural consciousness is a consciousness of... Se- we're living in separate consciousness. When Mashiach comes, when we're all living in unified consciousness, in to- total harmonious oneness with Hashem, so then what? Then the way it works is not like two, two separate entities, but like one body. In that case, the Shamayim is first, which means the projectant, the projection of God's light into the cosmos is first, and then it returns back deeper inside, like a heart, like the, like the breathing. It's like the breathing, the oxygen going out and, out and in, exhaling and inhaling. As God's light exhales, that's called the heavens, and it's returning back into itself, the fire. That's aretz, the, the, it's, it's going back into source, into, its, into, its, uh, uh, into the root, which is the essence of God himself, that's the shuv. That's why it's the opposite order. This is the basic idea that he discussed in the mimer that we learned two years ago. Now he's going to take this same concept and he's going to explain it a little more Kabbalistically of the difference of the way creation exists now and creation is going to be momentarily after Mashiach comes. And which there's going to be a very big change. So let's read inside. For as the new heavens and the new earth, that I am making, that I am making, they stand before me. So will stand your children, and your name. That's, the, that's what the prophet says. Just like the new heaven and the new earth that I am making stand before me. We'll see what that means in the end of the mimer. But Hashem says, I am creating a new heaven and a new earth. They are standing now before me. So too, your name, I'm sorry, your children and your name will also stand before me. And what that means is, what, 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 as, as, as is going to explain, be explained in the end of the mimer, is that our, our planting, our children and our name is referring to all the deeds, all the good deeds, all the mitzvah and Torah that we did before we entered into this higher consciousness of the future. When we are still in this separate consciousness that we're doing now, when we're in the present world, before we enter into the new world that's going to be when Mashiach comes, we might think that once Mashiach comes and we enter into that much higher state of existence, then, then the work that we did now is irrelevant anymore. Because even the accomplishments can't in any way compare whatsoever to the godliness and to the holiness that's going to be present when Mashiach comes that is not dependent on our work. 
Because there's going to be revelations after Mashiach comes that is going to be so spectacular, and it's not dependent on our work. It's just revelations happening on its own. Arousal from above. So we would think that wow, that our work that we've done is nice for today's days. And it achieved and accomplished. And maybe it led us to the doorway. Maybe it led us to the, to the entrance of Moshiach. But then once Moshiach comes, we're moving into levels that are where Moshiach is taking us, where God is bringing us to. And our work that we've done in the exile kind of is nullified because of its utter insignificance in that new light. So he's saying, no, what's going to happen is that every single thing that we've done after Mashiach comes is going to come along with us into that, new, into that new world and into that new experience, and it's going to grow along with us. In other words, as we grow into a new world, the, our history, our past history, is, 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 is not going to disappear that too is going to be redefined, so to speak, and reapplied to the new reality. Which is a really cool idea. That it's not like there's a new world and an old world, and they're, and they're two separate things. The Navi is saying, just like the heaven and the earth is standing before me, so is your, your planting and your name also going to be before me. I mean, it's also going to enter into that, into that very elevated godliness and holiness that's going to be after Mashiach come. It's not going to be forgotten and it's not going to be canceled. It too is going to grow. It too is going to expand. It too is going to uh, be amplified and whatever, you know, grow into this, into this great Mashiach to light. We'll understand this much better at the end. So let, let's read. But that's the Pasuk. That's the Pasuk. It's a Pasuk from this week's of Torah. Hine, it is known. Noida, is known. Tachlis, Yeridis, Anisham, Alaguf. The purpose of an neshama coming down in a body. The Alter Rebbe is bothered by this every single discourse almost. He can never make peace with this, with the fact that his soul came into a body. He wasn't comfortable in the body. And it teaches us how we should be as well. It should always bother us, bug us nonstop. What am I doing in this physical world? This is not, this is not, this we shouldn't feel that this is home, this is our place. Um, and especially now, we can feel it a little bit after we had after we had a month in which we were in heaven. Suddenly, we plop down into earth so quickly. You know, we, we can we can feel this very strongly. Like, what am I doing in this earth? Why can't we stay in the sukkah all along for, for whatever? So he that is known is known the purpose of a descent of an neshama into the guf in when it comes down in this world. Before it descended, the neshama was still attached, or even more than attached, it was absorbed in her maker, in her emanator, Baruch. With love and fear. In other words, she was constantly, deeply, there wasn't a moment, she was, she was absorbed in God through her love and her fear. Because the soul has intellect, and the soul has emotions. That's why we can say that the, even the neshama without a body has, has, a, has a full personality, has, has an in, intelligence, and has emotions. So therefore the neshama prior to coming down in this world had love of God and fear of God. But it was constant. And as a result of that, the neshama stood in a constant oneness with Hashem. Attachment. And obviously we know that that's not the case once we're in a body. Once we're in our body, we're lucky if we have love and fear once a year. 
love of Hashem and fear of Hashem. It's like, what happened? So we got to wonder, why did God push our neshama down and throw our, cast our soul down in such a lowly place, a place that is so concealing and obscuring on God's light? V'yarda, and the neshama descended. V'neslapsha, and she became enclosed, beguf v'nefesh bahamis, in a body and in an animal soul. Hama'alimim, which they conceal, umastirim, and they obscure the animal soul, the animal consciousness in man, and the body are very concealing and very obscuring and very, 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 they darken the nisham. And they, and they block the soul from its attachment to Hashem. Not only that, they even enclose the soul in filthy garments. Not only are we distracted and not only doing the godly thing, sometimes we do things that are very ungodly and very unholy and maybe even sinful. Which means these are filthy garments. So why in the world would the neshama come down from its lofty state of perfect attachment to God and Hashem sends the neshama down? And you'll say, well, that's the test of life. Yeah, but how many neshamas come down? Millions of souls come down in this world. And how many tzaddikim are there who spend their entire life only Torah and mitzvahs and nothing else and don't make themselves dirty? So this is a... And if you're going to say that the, that the purpose is only realized by a few, a few perfect tzaddikim, and everybody else fails, it's ridiculous, we can't say that. So we have to say that despite the fact that the neshama lives most of its time, or at least great periods of time on earth in a state of detachment, not only that, enclosed and trapped in filthy garments, yet in her sojourn on earth, and on her journey on earth, she accomplishes things that she could never have accomplished in heaven. And it was worth compromising the sanctity and the holiness and the spirituality of the neshama for this gain that it's going to gain. So he says, and he's explaining this idea that the neshama, and they clothed the soul with filthy garments. He explains what are the filthy garments. These are opposite emotions than the soul had in heaven. We said earlier when the soul was in heaven, what did she love? She loved only God. What did she crave? Holiness, godliness. What was her fear and her awe? She, awed, she was awed by, by Hashem. When the neshama comes down in this world, she experiences, because of the animal soul, a whole different set of emotions. And sometimes she becomes like, really, that a person experiences a powerful passion and a powerful excitement to something that, that, is, that is klipa. It's not, it's not kedusha. Something that is not godly. And that's called a filthy garment because the soul is there. The soul is trapped in that love. And a little bit of the soul goes along in that love. It's like the soul is indifferent. It's only the animal consciousness. The neshama gets persuaded. The soul gets pulled into things. That's why it needs cleansing after 120. Because it gets, it gets carried away with these things. How can it be that, 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 that instead of it having love and fear of Hashem, it has all these other... Uh, you see, the Altareb is talking about even someone who never sins, who never acts upon these, these emotions and these passions. It's just the mere fact that you experience them. You experience a desire for worldly things, for the material, for physical unrelated to God, unrelated to serving Hashem, that's a filthy garment, that's a klipa garment. He's not even talking about chas v'shalem, we make mistakes, and we allow those, those, those emotions to take a hold of us, to the point to bring us chas v'shalem to negative behavior. 
So you have to say that, that, that this is not chas v'sholem, just to torture the soul. We have to say that there is a gain over here, that this descent, this descent is for the sake of an ascent. And what is the ascent? And he explains, The neshama comes down in this world in order to do some kind of a rectification. What's its rectification? It's coming down here to, to what's called to select a selection or to purify a purification. It's coming to purify earth. Earth is in an earth is in a is in a unrectified, in a in a in a in a messed up state. The very physical creation, as the physical creation stands, is in a corrupted state. And our avoda is to fix this this world. And that's the meaning of levarer berurim. This is a concept, an Arizal concept, where the idea of levarer berurim means to elevate sparks of holiness. What does it mean to elevate a spark? It doesn't mean to run away with the spark and run away from the world. It's not a mean. It means to take something in the physical world in which its godly content, its godly soul, its the, 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 the godliness that's its power, that's life source, is not... It's not apparent, apparent. It's not, it's not visible. And instead, the klipa is visible. What you're seeing is something that is totally unrelated to spirituality and to holiness. And when a Jew is living in this, when a soul comes down in this world and is enclosed in a body and utilizes physicality and wrestles with it, because it's a very, very, very difficult fight. Because the, the physical wants to ensnare us and pull us into away from Hashem. But when we wrestle with the physicality and we use our bodies to serve God, not only our bodies, but our body needs resources. Our bodies, food that we eat and the clothing we wear and the computer we use and the car we drive and all the resources and the home we live in, the furniture that we have, and everything that we have, we use it for the service of Hashem. So that's called doing refining a spark because you're allowing the spark to shine. The spark is dominating. You're peeling away the klipa. And that's called levarer berurim. That's what the neshama came down. Now, but that's not, that's not enough. Just revealing the spark from below, polishing this world is not enough. In addition to that, we're also drawing godliness from above into this world. Two things are happening. There is a process of purification from below in which we're taking something and we're... we're, we're, we're we're, we're fight, we're, we're wrestling it out of the klippah. But then another thing we're doing is, once we use it in a mitzvah, in a, in a mamash, in a mitzvah, we're actually channeling God's light from above and, and allowing that light to enclose itself and express itself in that physical thing. And then, as we're going to see soon, this physical object in the physical world becomes unified uh, and attached to God in the same way like the lofty world of Olam Ha'atzilut. Olam Ha'atzilut is the world of emanation that can hardly be called the world because it's totally unified with God. From Ha'atzilut to our world is myriads and myriads of levels of concealment and concealment and concealment until we get down to our physical world that is so thick, coarse, dense, and so unaware of a divine source to the point that there's so many questions, 
so many, so many, so many objections, so many, so many doubts, and and on Amuna even, even on our faith and believing in Hashem, there's so many distractions that this world presents. This world is a very, very, very coarse and very, very, very blocking. And yet, when we do a mitzvah, we're unifying the God. We're unifying. We're bringing Hashem's light, the mamish, into the, into the physical, and the, to the point where the physicality ceases to be physical, and it becomes just a pure expression of divine light. In its, I'm saying it's physical. I don't mean it. It ceases to be. It remains physical. But in its physical space, thing, it ceases to be a creation. It becomes an extension of God. Like, we're going to see soon, when the hand, when a person uses his physical hand to give tzedakah, for instance, your hand is no more your hand. Your hand is now the very tip end of God's hand. That is, Because God's hand is chesed. Hashem's kindness is now flowing through your physical limbs and your hands, and your hands are just an extension. You just attached your hands to Hashem. And therefore your hand is no more your hand, it's God's hand. And so it becomes with the entire physical body, and so it becomes with every object that we do a mitzvah with, and ultimately all of them, the material physical world is elevated into that unity. So, and that's the purpose of why Neshama came down here. Even though in the midst of this, the soul is going to wear and tear, and the soul is going to get bruised, and it's going to get severely beaten up, and it's going to take generations and generations of this fight until we finally get the work done. But it was all worth it. Because the pleasure that God gets from this achievement, that that which was the most obscuring and blocking to His light has now become completely transparent to Him and, and receptive of Him, is so pleasurable and so meaningful to Him that for God it was worth putting us, and ultimately for the neshama as well, because in the end, since we were the ones who did it, the pleasure and the joy of that revelation will far exceed all the pain and all the misery and all the, all the, all the well, that we've lost. The gain that we get is going to fall out, out through the loss that we've had until, until that happens. So he says, the Ukidei, so this is all. Why did Neshama come down? him to refine refinements by refining this world. And the ultimate refinement of this world is Al Yedeyam Shachas HaTorah when we draw the Torah down, that means when we study Torah, and what does the Torah deal with? Torah is not, especially when you're learning halacha, you're learning Gemara, you're learning Mishnah, you're learning halacha, you're not learning abstract Kabbalistic ideas about the, the unions in the supernal worlds. You're learning about every phenomenon in the physical real. When you learn halacha, that's what you do. You're learning about every phenomenon in the physical world. But you're learning it from God's perspective, how the world is supposed to be from God's perspective. So that is already impacting. Some people think that, you know, just because I'm learning it doesn't make a difference. No, you're actually changing the dynamics of physicality when you're learning about it. When you're learning about plants and about what you could, what you could, how, which plants are kosher and which plants are not kosher, you're changing the chemistry of, physica, of the physical plants in this world, at least the spiritual chemistry, which ultimately affects the physical chemistry as well, that, that they become different and become... Um, purify that they can reveal Hashem when Mashiach comes. You're changing earth, you're changing... Same as when you're learning about animals, you're learning about everything. The Torah addresses everything. So Torah, and of course mitzvahs, for sure, because mitzvahs is hands-on. A mitzvah, you're not only learning about the concept of a tree, the mitzvah you're doing with the tree itself. So you're actually get, getting, the, you're getting to the very... You're not only dealing with the code 
with the with the code of creation, you're dealing with the actual creation itself as well. And over there, in the last and final stage, making a purification. And so we go about purifying all of existence. Shebehem, as he says, al when we draw down Torah and mitzvahs, Shebehen, now what's the quality of Torah and mitzvahs? Shebehen, in them, in the mitzvah, and in Torah, melubish orein saif baruchu, is enclosed the infinite light of God. That means God is contained in the mitzvah. So when I'm, then when I'm applying the mitzvah down here, I'm bringing God's light down into this world. Ubehen, and, and in the mitzvah, va'al yodan, and through the mitzvah, that will enable that there should be a revelation of God on the person who did the mitzvah, on his soul. That a person who does the mitzvah will experience the revelation of the infinite light of God upon him. Not now, we don't, as long as the body is here, we can't feel it. But after Mashiach comes, or after the soul leaves the body, it experiences the infinite pleasure and infinite delight of it being swallowed in God's light. As a result of what? As a result of, of the mitzvah that it did. To understand this, however, is a simple question. We're saying now that the neshama was very godly a long time ago, before it came into a body. Then it comes into a body and it becomes darkened by the physical world. The physicality, the body and the animal thing, enclosed, trap. Hold the neshama in captivity. Right? So we say, what comes to the rescue? What comes to the rescue? When you learn Torah and when you do mitzvahs, then you're doing something godly. So even when you're in the physical world, you can do something godly and be, be enclosed in godliness. But hold it. The Torah and mitzvahs have the same problem. They too became so physical. So if the Torah and mitzvahs would be pure spirituality, and you would say, okay, I came down in a body. And I'm, I'm here very physical. So the remedy for that would be, let's go to an ashram, or put candles on the, on, on, all around, sit on the floor, we'll meditate for three days, we'll eat a little grass and a little whatever, and meditate for three days until we all feel that we're levitating higher and higher, until we suddenly see the light. At a certain point after three days sitting in the dark and singing such, uh, uh, I don't know what kind of tunes, at a certain point, gee, suddenly we all crack through the, all, the, all the clouds and the darkness and we feel the light. That would be one thing. At least that would be a way in which, okay, we're down here and we fought our way to come out of that darkness. But that's not what we're doing. We're doing a very physical mitzvah. So the, so the, and that's just as physical, which means, in a sense, ju- seemingly just as obscuring. Last week we had a, we, we, we had a mitzvah of sukkah. It was very physical. We ate in a sukkah. Here we eat now, here we eat the sukkah, so it's a difference. It's just very physical, but still it's a mitzvah. So how does that, how does that redeem the soul? That's the question. The Torah and mitzvahs that are before us, is also in the state of descent. And a descent and a chain-like progression of levels. From the light from the from Hashem's countenance. Until the Torah and the mitzvahs were also enclosed in physical, in physical material things, in coarse things. That's why the malachim requested. See, the malachim, 
precisely because, so in a sense, the Torah and mitzvahs have also lost their grandeur because they came down to the physical. Because we're down here, Torah also comes down here. But when the Torah comes down, it stops being, it stops shining with its brilliant light to the point, and which is really, really a problem. Some people don't even realize that Yiddish, that mitzvahs are godly or Torah is godly. People see it as just another, some people, first of all, you know, will argue that it's, it's human. And people give such, such um, um, uh, shallow reasoning for mitzvahs. Such silly, like, uh, 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 you know, they, some, in other words, people are, 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 can, can argue about Torah and mitzvahs or, or what would it be? see it see it as as something see it so shallow like because because the Torah mitzvahs if you're learning Kabbalah if you're learning the same mitzvahs as it is in the writings of the Arizal then you can't you can't see it anymore in that shallow superficiality it's only when you're looking at it in Shulchan Arach you can think okay what is it so the, the godliness is obscured and that's why the angels were upset about that the angels felt that that's in a sense, gonna, gonna do, you're doing an injustice to the Torah. Just like we spoke about the injustice to the soul, it's an injustice to the Torah. That's what the Malachim said, <coughs> once, you keep the, once you keep the Torah in heaven, what do they mean? Let the Torah remain in its spiritual state, and over there, the godly light of the Torah will shine. Right? So, but once the Torah does come down, and it is physical, and once it enters into the physical, which the physical is an obscuring state, so then, what's the, what's the quality of Torah over the neshama? So why are they even greater and more, and more beneficial than the love and the fear of the neshama? Meaning, uh, especially when the neshama, you can uncover your soul in, and you can discover the, spirit, the innate spirituality that you have. And experience a longing and a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a yearning for Hashem. If you could do that, so what is the the um, so I would we would think that that's far superior to uh, than, than than a physical act of a mitzvah, but it's not that way, because we said before the only justification for a neshama coming into this world is that it can learn Torah and do mitzvahs. Not its ecstasy of the neshama itself. Vagam omru. And then another question he asks. In a sense, here we're saying the mitzvahs are the ultimate purpose. Because through a mitzvah we do a rectification in the physical world, and we're connecting the physical, we're drawing God's infinite light into the physical world by doing a mitzvah. But, but the neshama on its own devices, it's nice, it has love and fear of Hashem, but it, it has... The love and the fear of the neshama, it had even more in heaven. It comes down in a body. It, ne- it came down for the sake of Torah and mitzvahs. But the question is, that would seem to imply that the Torah and the mitzvahs is much higher than the neshama. But on the other hand, we find that when you do a mitzvah, and the mitzvah is being done without any soul, without any soul investment, which means the mitzvah is done without any kavana, without any intention. The mitzvah is done very dryly, just as a physical and all you have, all that's present in the mitzvah is just the physical mechanics, the robotic movements of the mitzvah. 
So it says that such a such mitzvahs stay down here. They don't. They're not connecting. These mitzvahs remain in the physical world. They're not connecting. They're not channeling. As it says, It says Torah without fear and without love, or without love and fear, does not flow, fly up. In other words, so what then activates the godliness that's in Torah and mitzvahs? What turns on? What does the Torah and mitzvahs need? It needs the infusion of neshama. Because when you, when you have love of Hashem and fear of Hashem, you're infusing your soul energy into the mitzvah. And that's giving the mitzvah wings to fly up. So this really is getting confusing. So who is... Here we're saying that the neshama comes down in a body, it's helpless. It's in a very, 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 very compromised state until it learns Torah and it does mitzvahs. Which means Torah and mitzvahs redeem the soul. Yet on the other hand, we say that the, the Torah and the mitzvahs need the neshama too to redeem them. Because without that, the Torah and mitzvahs remain stagnant, remain down here below, and they don't fly up, which means they don't connect to, the, to, to godliness. So who needs who? How does that work? Sha'avah uh, because love and fear, hem agatfim, they are the wings, ha'malus and that elevate and carry up the Torah. So you see a contrary, nera, you see from here, that the quality of love and fear, God is much greater. It's much higher than the quality of the Torah. So how can it be both? Which one is it? So to understand this, it's once so he presented us again. Let me just do a little, little short short synopsis of it. We want to know what is. We say that when Mashiach is going to come, there's going to be a new heaven and an earth. We want to know what, if there's going to be a new one then, what's the content of the new heaven and the earth after Mashiach comes? So in order to understand that, we have to understand what is the content of heaven and earth now. If we understand the inner dynamics of heaven and earth now, we'll understand what the content of the, of the heaven and earth after Mashiach comes. So to know, understand that, he says, first let's understand why Neshama came down in this world. It comes down in this world in order to learn Torah and do mitzvahs. So his question is, um, Torah and mitzvahs also become physical. So how, what do we benefit with Torah and mitzvahs that are physical over the fact that the neshama is also a spiritual being, but now it's in the physical. So it's getting Torah and mitzvahs also physical. And then, and the, and then the question is, which one is benefiting what? Does the Torah and mitzvahs elevate the Jew or does the Jew elevate the Torah and mitzvahs? How does it work? So in order to understand all of this, he's going to present us with another idea. And that is, um, he's going to now develop in the next two paragraphs the state of the world, the state of creation. What is the state of existence? And he's going to explain that creation is multi-level. There's primarily two dimensions in creation. Primarily two main dimensions in creation. The first dimension in creation is a level of creation that is unified with God with perfect unity. And that's called the world of Atzilut. The world of Atzilut, the world of emanations, the, the world of, it's the first of four worlds. It's creation before it really becomes a creation. It's not even a creation. It's almost like God's thoughts about creation, but it's not creation. So it's, a still, it's still one, it's only Abish, there is still God. Then comes three dimensions three levels in which creation materializes. That's phase two in creation. 
where we actually, something that is not God comes into existence. And when we say something that's not God, doesn't mean that it's really not God. It means within its own experience it's not God. Everything is, is really Hashem. It's only within its own consciousness and its own awareness it's not Hashem. And that's the three lower worlds, especially our physical world. So that's so the next piece, that's what he's going to explain. What's the difference between Atsilus, which is a world, yet it's one with God, and Bri, Yatsir, and Asiya that are not godly? What's the difference, really? How does it work? Then he's going to say, what's the purpose? What's the work? Now that we know this is creation as God created it. Now what's the work? The work is to even these two these dimensions out. To make the lower three worlds, Bri, Yatsir, and Asiya, as holy and as godly as Atsilas. That's the purpose of creation. How is that done? Through prayer and Torah, as we're going to see soon. It says in the Pasuk, everything that is called in my name, the verse that says, everything that has been called in my name, and for my honor, Barasiv, I have created it. I think it's a Pasuk in Yeshaya. Everything that is called in my name, and for my honor, I created it. Yitzartiv, I formed it. Afasisiv, I also made it. So, Hasidus tells us, maybe it's already in, in Kabbalah as well, I'm sure it is, that um, this is referring to, this Pasuk is describing the entire process of creation. Kol anikra bishmi, everything that's called in my name, we're talking already about something that's not God, but it's called in my name. That means that Hashem is not saying me. Hashem is saying something that's called in my name. If it's called in my name, it means it's attached, it's attached to God completely, that it can call itself in the name of God. So that's the first stage of existence. That's Atsilas. Then Luchvoidi, for my honor, what did I do? Barasiv, I created creation into the next stage. Barasiv, I created something. That's Olam Habriya. Yetzartiv, I formed it. That's Olam Ayatsira. Afasisiv, I also made it. That's Olam Asiya, that's the physical world. So Hanikra Bishmi, so he says, what's called in my name, Olam Atsilas. That is the world of Atsilas. Shahu nikra bishmi mamish. That's literally called in God's name. What does that mean? Shasham shayra oirin tsayf baruchu mamish. Because in Atsilus, the oirin tsayf, the infinite light, literally dwells there. Dwelling over here means dwelling in an open, revealed way. The infinite light is manifesting, revealing itself in this place. And whatever is in Atsilus, We'll soon see there is spherot, there are attributes. There might even be other creatures of Atsilas that are not called, they can't be called creatures, but whatever they are. Whatever they are, entities of Atsilas, they are misyachdim imoy. They are unified with God, with perfect unity. Why? As the Zohar says, the iu v'chi that he and his 
and his life forces, which are his animations, are one. He is one with his projections. Chiyu was his life, these are the life. And then it goes on to say even more, Ihu vigarmuhuchad. He is one with his vessels, or he is one with his garments. So what are these vessels talking about? These are the sefirot, the attributes of Atzilus. He and his emanations are one, because we know that in sefirot and attributes, anybody a little familiar with some Kabbalistic idea? So everybody knows that in sefirot, there's two parts to spheres. There is, um, there is the oros, there is the lights, and then there is the kalim, there is the vessels, the lights and the vessels. So the lights, we'll soon have a better description of what the difference between lights and vessels are. The lights are called his, his life forces, and the vessels are called his garments. And we're saying that in Atsilus, he, God himself, is one with those life forces, with the oros, with the lights, and he is one not only with the lights, but even with the vessels. Which means that in that realm, there's nothing but him. Chad. Because everything is nullified, the nichlal and absorbed the ba'orin soif, baruchu mamish, literally nullified in the infinite light. Valkulam nikrashmoi, and they're all and on all of them he calls his name. In other words, you can say to one of these sefirot, for example, ado alev dalad nun yud, and you're not serving idolatry. If you're standing in front of Sfirat HaMalchus, the attribute of Malchus, which is a Sfira, which is an attribute, and you say, Adoy, Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud, you're not serving an idol, because Sfirat HaMalchus is unified with God, so when you're speaking to it, you're speaking to God. It is melted in God's light, it's totally nullified. Tahashem. It's identityless, other than the fact that God is expressing Himself through this attribute. And we know the names that we always re- refer to, the various different names, are referring to the Sfirot. Kael is Chesed. Elokim is Gevura. Shakai is Yesod. Havaya, Yudkei Vavke, is Teferis. Ka is Chachma Bina. So, so, hold it, we're God. The answer is that they're one with God. They're one with Hashem. Similar to, just to give an example to this, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in the Zohar says, interesting statement, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. It says in the Pasuk, it says, three times a year you should go see the face of God. Three times a year you should go see the face of God. So the Zohar says, who's the face of the master God? Darajbi, that's Rav Shemel Bayochai. Pretty scary statement. The Zohar is not, is not, you know, uh, some chassid going a little over the overboard, to drink, drank a little mashka, a little too much on on Simchas Torah, and he's saying something about his Rebbe. The Zohar says that about Rav Shemel Bayochai. The Zohar says, "Go see the face of God. Who is that? Rav Shemel Bayochai. What does that mean? That's idolatry. God forbid." Haman said, bow down to me. And yet, the answer is, Reb Shimon Yochai was so conscious of God, so nullified to God, he didn't even know that he existed. He was just, a, he was just an expression. 
He was just bottle. So Hashem came through him, not him. There was no ego. There was none. Not even a trace of a trace. Not even a tiny, thin, flimsy little membrane of self. Nothing. Totally nullified with God. So therefore, yeah, when you're looking at him, you're looking at someone who doesn't exist in terms of, there's no separation, there's no ego, there's no I, there's never, a, there's never a feeling of I want other than what Hashem wants, because he doesn't even feel himself. Moshe Rabbeinu says, in, 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 in Devarim, he says, V'nasati Esev, I will give grass, Pesatcha. If you listen to God, I will give grass. Or I will give the rains. I will give the rains, yeah. The answer is yeah. Because he, he ceased to be him anymore. So now he's just a channel through which Hashem's bracha comes. Oh, that's a very big chiddush because we're saying that on someone that's physical. That means we're saying it on someone while he's in a physical body. Physicality usually doesn't allow for that. This, this the whole, that's the whole point we're learning over here. Physicality is a stage of creation where it gets so blurry and so foggy that the creation ceased, ceased, stop seeing that they're nothing other than an energy of Hashem um, 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 materializing into them. Right? They don't see that. They become something. But in Atzilus, everything, everybody, in Atzilus, everybody is nothing. I mean, whoever is there is nullified completely in God's light. So it's all divine. That's why Hashem, call Anikra Bishmi, everything that's called in my name. The entire world of Atzilus is all called in Hashem's name. It's all one with them. They're all infinite because they're nullified to the infinite energy that's flowing to them. Now he's asking a question, but hold it. You can't say Atzilus. Atzilus is still a world. It's a world. It's called Olam. And more, Olam means a concealment. The word Olam means it's a helam. So Atzilus can only come through a powerful concealment. So how do we say that Atzilus is, 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 is godly? And the answer is, it's godly, not God. It's very important to understand the distinction. Godly and not God. God means, you can only say on God himself. That's God. Godly is anything that Hashem invests himself into and that that thing acknowledges that its entire existence is only because Hashem invested itself into it without any feeling of, of, of self other than that, that divinity. Without, without anything. That's godly. That's a godly entity. When you say someone is a godly person, in the true meaning of the word, it doesn't mean someone who just does godly things. The true meaning of the word, to be a godly person means to be utterly egoless. Atsilus is that state. But here's the thing. Atsilus is in that state naturally. That's the way God emanated it. It's the first stage of creation where, or the, cert, the first step, I can't even call it a stage of creation because it's not really a creation yet. Creation is when something gets an ego. It's the first state of, it's the first, uh, the first progression towards creation, so to speak, in which there is already, Hashem is projecting certain form, but yet that form is still completely attached to Him. Hagam, he's asking, you can't compare Atzilus to God. As it is known, that the man of Atzilus, Atzilus is structured as a man, because it has ten sefirot. The ten sefirot is the human, is the human psyche. Three intellectual spherot and seven emotions. That's what the main 
that's the skeleton of Atsilas. It's called a man. But it's called the man of Asiya. Nikra Adam da Asiya. It's called man of Asiya. Compared to Keser, that's called man of Yetzira. Compared to Adam Kadmon, that's called man of Bria. So Atsilas is called Asiya. It's an action. So you can't say that it's God. But Gashmis, and it's the same like a physical Asiya. There's a certain, it's the same like a physical material creation. And even the world of Atsilus, even the world of Atsilus is only a ray. It's a tiny little crumb of God's light. Oh, but, but here's the difference. So what makes Atsilus godly and our world not godly? And the answer is one thing. In Atsilus, the, the entities of Atsilus sense and are aware that their entire beingness is only a projection of God's light. So, they're, they, they're, so God permeates every cell, so to speak, of their, of their, of their, of their being. True, it's only a little tiny ray that goes down. Because Atzilus compared to God, is, Hashem is ain't sof. Atzilus is just a tiny little crumb, a little ray. But that ray that goes down there, who mesachedes, becomes unified with, with the so-called beings that are there, they have no state of separation, and being apart. They're all thoroughly permeated and filled and conscious completely of that ray. And therefore, the ancient thesis shum davar, there's no other importance besides the ray. Besides that divine flow, besides the powerful projection that's being projected in them, nothing else is felt but that projection. Key, because he explains, Atzilus Meloshan Hafrasha. He says, if you look at the meaning of the word Atzilus, Atzilus means he separates. Atzilus is not really, he's not creating anything new. He's only separating, so to speak, an energy of himself and separating it a part of him. It says by Moshe. When Moshe was complaining that I can't carry the Jewish people by myself, I need help. Hashem said, go gather the 70 Zekenim, 70 elders, and I'm going to... And then you are going to give from your holiness upon them, from your prophecy upon them, from the spirit that's on you. So there too, what does that mean? They didn't become Moshe. It wasn't like the 70s that and became Moshe. There's still a big distinction between Moshe and them. But they became unified with him. As he bestowed his energy upon them, they suddenly felt Moshe's presence so powerfully and they became nullified to Moshe's presence that was in them. And they were like an extension of Moshe. So Moshe remained the only leader. But there were 70 vessels. He was, it almost was like Moshe Rabbeinu's neshama in 71 bodies. Of course, his body has the bulk of him, and they're only containing a projection. But they were so permeated with it, till they became attached to Moshe. They were elevated and to be unified with him. That he separated. He definitely didn't pour everything upon them. To say that they arrived to his level. Or his, or his madrega, literally. He set aside from his spirit. 
I'm sure Moshe Rabbeinu had to reduce the voltage of his prophecy tremendously. That it should be able to enclose itself in the measure, which means in the capacity of these Zekenim. So they should be a little bit elevated. Higher than their level. Because once, you understand, these Zekenim, once they were empowered by Moshe, they're, they're suddenly their, 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 their consciousness was elevated tremendously. They felt what they never felt before. Before they saw what they never saw before, they experienced what they never. They suddenly were attached to Moshe. They can help him carry the load. They became basically they became joined with him. So even though it's not mamish, one, it's not like a perfect oneness, meaning to say that they're not him. They're still. It's everybody still recognizes that Moshe is Moshe. They can still be joined with him. They are unified with the light with the ray and the light that is drawn from him. So is the world of Atzilus. The emanator emanated the infinite light, the, Im- the infinite light emanated. Blessed is he. The hifrish ziv, and he separated a ray, the oil, and a light, ba'olamahu into that world. Of course, in Atzilus, God reduced his light tremendously that they should be able to receive ziv, a ray, the oil, and a light from the infinite one. Hazeh, bepchinas yichud, in a manner that he should unify with those entities, with those beings. That they should become unified with the Oren Soif. Not with the Oren Soif itself, but with the or with the little bit of light that is drawn from him. And this unity that happens in Atzilus is in two. In Atzilus itself, there's two stages. In how unified Atzilus is with the source, with God. So it's a difference. The or, the, the, oirois, the lights of Atzilus, the energies of the vessels, are unified with a deeper unification. The vessels are more limited already. We understand. What's it between light and vessels? Light means an energy that's still, it's still similar to its source. It's still it's un, 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 undefined. The vessel, because we understand that in Atzilus we're not talking about physical containers, the vessels are I mean what the limitation, the boundaries. So that's already far more ungodly, non-godly, the vessels. It's limited. This is chesed, this is gevura. Yet even that is also unified. Its unity with God is not as powerful and is not as deep as the energy itself that's in the vessels because there, those energies are, 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 are more godly, so to speak. And that's what he says over here. The Indian... On two levels. He and his life emanations. He and his garments. His life forces, those are the lights. They're the sources for the spheros. That's the power from where Chachma comes. See, the energy that's in Chachma, the Oyra Chachma is not Chachma. It's the power that produces Chachma. 
The aura the that's in chesed is not chesed. It's the power from which chesed emanates. And the makoiris, they're lights and they're chayos, they're the energy behind it. Because in the lights, you can't yet define in the lights pratim details. To say this is chachma, or chesed, or this is chesed. As stated elsewhere, the inyana oiros, as stated elsewhere when it comes to lights, it says the achlifu dichtayu. It says, he wants to prove that the oir remains, is, 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 he wants to prove that the oir is completely unified with God, much more than even the kalim. As he says, because the oirois, the when you say the oir of chesed, when you say the oir of chesed or the oir of gvura, the question is, how much is this light already chesed? He says, not, not, not really. And the proof to that is simple. In Kabbalah, it says that sometimes the oir of chesed goes into the keli of gavura. And the oir of gavura goes into the keli of chesed. So what does it mean, the oir of chesed goes into the keli of gavura? And but more than, how can exchange? How can the oir of chesed go into the keli of gavura? It's opposites. And the answer is, first of all, it means like this. The oir be it means even after the oir descends into one keli, even after the oir of chesed descends into chesed, the chesed, of, the chesed doesn't really imprint itself on the light. The light remains simple. The proof is that even after that light is in the light of chesed, if the light would exit and will go, that very same light will go, will go into gavura. it could go into gavura. It's not limited. See, the keli of, ke- of chesed is, can't go into, into Gevura because it's ke- chesed. It clashes with Gevura. It's opposite. Because this is like water and fire. They extinguish each other. But the oyer, even after it went through chesed, it's, it's, it's not really, it's never really acquiring the, the, uh, the uh, it's like shining light. I give simple. So I'm shining light through a, a, a glass that's blue. So it comes out blue light. And if that light continues, and it will go through a, a, uh, a green light, the truth is there, it probably will be affected. I'm wondering if it will continue, it will go through a green light. Will it be purely green or will it still be affected by the initial blue? I think it will still be. I'm not sure. But over here in this case, the oil, as it's, it could flip Kalim, and yet, how? Is a simon that the oil race never really become chesed and never gvoradik. Okay, it's a little, this is a little technical Kabbalah over here, but it's not so negea for the mimer, for the understanding of the mimer. So just sometimes, what happens a lot of times when you learn Hasidah, especially when it gets into the Alter Rebbe in a Kabbalah, at certain points, is that you go through like a piece and it, and it, and it, and it drains a little bit the energy of the, of the, of the, of the, of the uh, when we get into the technical elements of the Oyeris and the Kalim, you will come, you God. And he said, I came here to learn Parashas Beresha, something Gishmak on the Parashas, was talking here with Oyeris and Kalim, but you have to go through this to have the uh, Havana of Chassidus. Okay, so, so bear with me. Vergarmu, in five minutes we're done with this. Vergarmu hemakelim. And the Garmu, these are the Kalim. Hamagabilim esoeres. They are magabil delights. Shal yedea kelim hem oilim b'shem chachma. The Kalim make it far more. Make it. Make the, the Kali defines the chachma to be called chachma. Or chesed or chesed. 
And nevertheless, so even though the kalim are already what? Chachma is chachma, chesed is chesed. So how can you say that it's one with God? Hashem doesn't have any image. Yet the oirin soif is still dwells in them in a state of unification. The nikra, because even though it's chachma, it's called chachma de einsof. It's called the chachma of the infinite. The chesed, even though it's called chesed, it's called chesed de einsof. It's the chesed of the of the einsof. What does that mean? But if it's how can it be both chachma and einsof? So he explains because it's not chachma the way we know chachma. Even though it's called chachma, it's not really limited. Like we say, you are wise, but not, not with chachma yadia, not with the knowledgeable chachma. So we understand that even though we're applying chachma chesed, on this level, these things are so subtle that the chachma and the chesed don't in any way limit it. In, in, yeah, as we say that God is the knowledge and He is the thing that is known, like the Rambam says. So He's perfectly one with the spheros on two levels. He's definitely perfectly one with the lights, but even with the vessels that are, seem to be far more already closer to creation and definition, yet they too are still unified with Him. That's why the world of Atzilus, here's where the Alter Rebbe finishes this whole idea. That's why the world of Atzilus is called Hanikra Bishmi. Call Hanikra Bishmi. Atzilus is called in Hashem's name. Hanikra Bishmi. Because it's, there's nothing there but God. Mamish. Aval Oilam Abriya. But the world of Bria, this is already different. Umemeno Ulamata. From the stage of Bria and downward, further down, Nikra Lechvaidi Barasif. For my COVID, I created. What does that mean? For my honor I created. It means that the next stage of creation is no more my name. Over here, God is already going to garb himself in a garment. Kavoid means a garment. Because Rabbi Yochanan said, don't call my, don't, uh, Rabbi Yochanan said, called his garments, mechubadai, the things that honor me. So garments honor a person. So they're called kvoidi. So when it really says if it means like this. Until this point in creation, there is no filter, at least not in the sense that would obscure and block the light from what's coming out. But once you're passing into the next stage of creation, God is already putting on a garment. Now just like, what does it mean? Just like a garment. Even though the wearer is wearing the garment, but the garment and the wearer are two things. It's not the same. It's not, it's, not, it's not one. The same is also, once Hashem comes to the world of Bria, he's already, he's already projecting through a garment, which means from here and onward, you're going to have existence that's detached from Hashem. Kavukavad hu eslapshos. Hashem is already garbing himself. Ukemaimer Eliyo, like Eliyo says, levushin tkinas loin. You fixed levushin garments. Just like a garment, a garment is not one. The body is one with the soul, but not the garment. So to you might say, Atzilus is God's body. 
But Bria and onward is like, a, is, is like Hashem wearing clothing. It's not him. What happens in a garment? When you wear something, you're covering yourself with a garment. So, meaning not only isn't it you, it's actually blocking you. So what the garment does when Hashem gets to Bria, and he's creating Bria, he's blocking himself. Not to allow the essence of who he is to reveal. As he is. The nira, and the light of the essence is not seen only through a garment. But on the other hand, a garment is not a sack. The difference between a sack and a garment. A garment covers you, but it also expresses you. Because you're wearing a garment that fits. First of all, a person wears a garment that generally fits their character. You could tell a lot about a person about the clothing they wear. So you see the person is expressing himself. Also, <coughs> you wear a garment that's tailored to you. But then there's a different type of a garment. Then there's a sack, which is meant to completely block. You put a human being in a sack, you know nothing about the person's shape or form. It's just a heavy sack. So too, this is like this. On the one hand, we're saying when God is creating the world of Bria, he's already in a garment. And therefore... It is already detachment. But on the other hand, it's not like there's no sense of the divine. There's no, it's not like Hashem, is, there's, no, there's no godliness coming through. Because in Olam Abriya, they recognize God very strongly. But they're not attached. And that's why in Olam Abriya, you have Malachim, Srafim, Chaya, Sefani, Kodesh, holy creatures and holy beings who say Kodesh, 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 day in and day out. They, they praise God. Holy, 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 nullify, they bow down to God. Yet, they're not, they're not one with Hashem. Yet they have, an, they have a Metzias. They don't, they don't, they experience themselves as creatures and as beings that have created. They recognize there is a master and a power that's above them and maybe is responsible for them. They recognize that and they surrender to it. But yet, they don't, they don't, they're, 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 they are them, and God is God. Because it's coming through, as he says. So, is the thing. Because it's a garment, he's going to make an interesting distinction. Because it's a garment, and a garment blocks, that's why they're separate. But because it's a garment, and a garment also reveals, that's why they bow down to God. As opposed to the physical world, where it's more like a sack. Where not it's you only got the concealing part and you don't even have the revealing part at all. Similarly, Shuhuk Tikun Kedeshe Yizgalo Eratzmas. In other words, Hashem is revealing Himself. Derech Levush Dafke Dafke through a Levush Shabilti Levush Loihoya Oylem Abriya Yachal Akabul. Because without a Levush, the world of Bria and it to be a Bria, it to be the way it is, would not be able to receive. Ulefisha Belavush Zeh. And because through this Levush, the Ebishter is revealing himself, that's why it says, The heavenly hosts bow down to you. That's why they are bottle. They bow down. But since on the other hand, even though he is revealing himself, he's only revealing himself through a Levush, 
That's why they were in a state of separation. Umisham yiparei, that from there, meaning from Bria and onward, there is a state already of separate consciousness. Ture de Pruda, they're called mountains of separation. She'ena mis'achtim kebatzilas. They're not unified like an atzilas. And this is the whole purpose of creation. To fix this disconnect. There is a disconnect, which is really a lie, which only comes because of a obscuring and a darkness. And our work is now to chat, what Hashem has challenged us, is He put us into creation at the later stage of creation. He, he planted us in the world, in Bria, Yetzirah, Hashem put us actually in the world of Asiyah, where there is the strongest sense of separation. And every day we have to fight that separation. Because the body screams, I am! And I want to have a good time. And I don't care what God says. That's what the body says. The body wants to run around and do its own thing. And the person has to constantly bring that body to bittle, to bittle, to bittle, to bittle, nonstop. That's it. That's the purpose. That means that the Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya should become attached to God in the same way like Atzilus is. When that is going to happen, we are all going to be an expression of God. Even though we're going to be physical. Physicality is not going to block it. So when Mashiach comes, it says that Tzadikim are going to be called in God's name. The Jewish people are not going to be called Yisrael. We're going to be called Havaya. Total attachment to Hashem as a result. Meaning, the same idea like Rabbi Shimon, but Rabbi Shimon, but accomplished it even in our world. And we will all be that way after Mashiach comes. Or at least after Tchias Amesim. It might take us a little while once Mashiach comes to like, like to, to, to open up to that consciousness and to fully, fully fill those shoes, so to speak. That, Let's learn a little further. Now we know that the malachim have avoda. They have work. The malachim have service. They work. What's their work? They sit, they stand from the six days of creation, in the high levels of the world. They, they stand in the spiritual realms. And they make, and with great fear, they they. They, together, they they make be heard. They make they they, their 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 praise to Hashem, and as it says, Aryeshag, the lion roars. Who is the lion? Those are the malachim, the angels that are called lions, particularly the archangel Michael. He's a, he's a lion, and he has a fleet of lions. Three hundred. And 70,000 lions. These are heads of angels. And he's the face of the lion that's to the right side. And when he roars, they roar together with him. Close your eyes for a minute and a vision. 370,000 super mega fiery lions. All roaring. It's really something, it's a, it's a sight to behold. What are they, what are they roaring about? Shemachna Michael, the entire camp of Michael. 
We have to understand. What's this avoda of roaring? What are they roaring about over here? What's this avoda? This that they're nullified by their understanding. See, they recognize where their chayas is coming from. And, they, and that's, what they, that's what they're doing. They're mashmi and barash godel. They're saying that, that they're acknowledging God. Okay. Why is this avoda? They recognize it, and that's why they're saying, yeah, this is the way it is. Why are they roaring? Usually when you roar and you're making, it's because you got excited about something. Okay, so they're just recognizing the truth. What they, what, what's there to get excited? What kind of news has come to them? So you have to say, and when they're roaring, it seems like they're yearning for something. And they're longing. What are they longing for? So he's going to explain this very gavaldig Indian. The malachim are roaring not because they're recognizing the reality that God created them in. That's who they are. That's kind of like, it's like we don't roar or get excited when, we, when I recognize, like, you know, where I am. I'm in a room now, here. That's, that, that, that's just what it is. I'm in the room. I'm sitting by a chair, by a table. That's what it is. So they're in their world, a world full of, right, where they can see that it's Hashem's light. It's creating things. Okay, what's it to be? It's the reality, what they see. But he's saying, what he's saying is like this. The avoda that the malachim are going are gonna to do is... Their avoda is related to our avoda, which is we're, we're really the ones doing it and the malachim are part of it. And that is, they're getting excited about changing the dynamics of creation. The excitement is because they recognize and they understand that their whole reality is a lie. Their whole sense of reality is not the emes. And they're yearning and longing for, for a truer truth to be revealed. And they tap into that truer truth as a result of our Torah mitzvahs down here. We, 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 every day we polish a little bit more the heavens. We're polishing earth, but we're, along with polishing earth, we're polishing Yetzirah and Asiyah, we're polishing and causing their, their world to become a little more transparent, a little more transparent. And as it's becoming more and more transparent, they're going crazy from this, where they're recognizing the, the truth, how everything is nothing other. It's not stuff that God created everything. How, 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 how Hashem is all of reality. Imagine when the lights will turn on for us, how crazy we will go from realizing that every single thing is just pure godly content. Every single thing. Stuff that we treated with such whatever, with such cheapness, and recognizing we're walking in a divine world, and everything that we thought was just mundane is so holy and so godly and so, so much content, and we recognize, oh my gosh, it's crazy. It's almost crazy. This is what my pillow is? This is what my, I, I, it's, like, it's, like, it's like nuts. These are what my socks are. It's like suddenly it's like a whole, and it will, and it will stun us. It will stun us. Like I don't know how long it will take for us to, 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 to come to ourselves after this. You know, once this revelation is revealed to us, but these, this revelation stuns the malachim. 
basically what's the work? The work is to lessen the filter. Hashem set up a filter. And the filter allows the, the creative light to come into Bria in a manner like we spoke earlier, not like Atzillus, where Atzillus doesn't have that filter. So everything is unified with God. Over here, God places a filter. And the filter blocks the light, creating this, de- creating this detachment. But as our work is to change the filter, so as more and more light comes through, the, the more we recognize our oneness with our Creator, the more the malachim every day go crazy. And the more they want to know more of that truth. So here's, here's he explaining it. Uh, the idea is, the world of Atsilos is a world that is already corrected. It was born corrected. It never needs a correction. It was already fixed for the lights and the vessels to be for the lights to be one with him and the vessels to be one with him. In other words, to recognize and understand the truth, to live in truth. They were born in a true place. Which isn't the case in the world of Bria, Tzir, They are from the shattered vessels. Now how do shattered vessels come in over here? How do shattered vessels come in over here? See, I'm, I was explaining the whole time that this whole state of separation that happens in Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya comes about because of a filter. Because Hashem plus is a filter, that's why Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya are disconnected. But that's not really the whole thing. Because as, as explained in Hasidus, even with many, many, many filters, we would never reach such a, such a state of delusion, such a state of, such, such a delusional state where the creations don't even realize that they're nothing other than God's breath. Such a state of, of ignorance, no matter how many filters there would have been, the, the, the awareness of the Creator would have still passed, would have still come through that we should still feel that we're, cre- that we're nothing other than, it, than God's energy. The reason why it's possible for us to exist in this completely disconnected state is because of a concept called Shviris HaKelem, which was a primordial collapse that happened somewhere in the system, intentionally, that God caused something to become disconnected, fall and become disconnected. When they became disconnected, it enabled them later these, these, so to speak, shards, broken shards, to later materialize into creation to, 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 in a manner where, there, where, where you have what we call pirud separation. In other words, olam apirud can only come into existence because of shvira sakelo, because of a shattering of the vessels. But atzilus is not impacted. Atzilus is not impacted by the shattering of the vessels. Atzilus is born from what is fixed already. Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya still have floating debris, so to speak, from that, from that chaotic world. And that's what messes up our, that's what causes the distortion in, in our realm. Sheba'olam this shattering of the vessels of the world of Tayyu, the world of chaos, 
Shenaflu bebiyah, in which its its debris fell in Bria Yitzir and Asiya. Elchein, and therefore tzarechli is avoid the tama. That's where we need to do our work. Lahamshech behem pchinas tikkun. We need to connect these two worlds. We need to take the world of rectification, the world of tikkun, and extend it into the world of Bria Yitzir and Asiya. And make Bria Yitzir and Asiya as as joined and as unified with its source as Atzilus. So that Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya, angels, and also all the way down to the physical things with this world, should also be in a state of unity with God. But here's the thing. In order for this to happen, the regular light that's coming through the filter which God created, if not for Torah and mitzvahs, if we're just going to allow the ordinary flow that God set up from the beginning, that will never change Bria Tzirinasi. Because the way it's set up, as we said earlier, the filter is very strong. The creations that were created, being that they were created because of, with, with, from the debris of that shattered world, together with the fact that the light is so filtered, in, these two things together would... would, would, would don't allow for this enlightenment and this oneness. That's why what needs to happen is we have to figure out a way to blast through the filter and draw down powerful emanations, powerful lights of godliness, powerful projections of God light into the Bria Tzirinasiya in order to change this, 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 this blockage. As he says, That's coming through the Masach. The way things have initially evolved. The way it was set when God initially formed the world. For it to evolve level after level. Because based on that system, at Bria is in a state of period of separation. Torah the Pruda, mountains of separation. We have to draw down new light, milmaila from above, very powerful light that is not blocked in the filter of Bria. Until it's able to incorporate the world of Bria as well. That Bria becomes as holy and as godly and as unified as Atzilus. Ki oilam is biya because the world's Bria, Yitzir, and Asiya hem ashabara Hashem lasois. Here is where God created that we should fix them. It says ashabara, this week we say by, in Parshas Bereshes, we say it by Kiddush, that God finished His work, His world, that He created lasos. What does lasos mean? Rashi says letakein, to fix. That's what we have to fix. He created it the way he created it. Our job is to fix it. And to fix that which did not get fixed initially in creation. That which was not fixed when God created the world. And how far do we have to go in this repair? How far do we have to go? So it's not enough to fix the heavens. We have to fix the earth. It's not only enough to fix Jerusalem, we have to fix Eretz Yisrael. Not only enough that we have to fix Eretz Yisrael, but we have to fix the entire globe. 
We have to fix even the darkest places. We have to bring this purification down, 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 down. And Hashem's appetite is endless. He's super ambitious. He doesn't want to give in until we're done everything. That's why the Gullus is taking so long. He like wanted to bring Mashiach so many times, but then he says, ah, let's just try to get that last thing. It's terrible. And even the world of Asiya, which is the lowest of all. How do we know? Because it's the, he says, we know that there were seven kings. The idea of Shfiris HaKelem, the shattering of the vessels, is hinted to in what we spoke about so many times in Pasha's Vayishlach, where it speaks about the kings who were the kings of Edom who died. Vayimloch Vayomos, he reigned and he died. So the Arizal says that that's an allusion to the king, that's alluding to the, the primordial world of Tayu that collapsed. The kings that died. So it mentions seven kings who died. The last one, his name is Baalchanan ben Achbor. He's the son of, he's Baalchanan, the son of Achbor. And that's the last vessel that shattered. Those shards fell down and they're the source of the world of Asiya. So these are the most, the, 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 the chunkiest, the thickest, the, the, the densiest uh, matter. And that's what forms our physical universe. Who, but the Chiddush is, how do we know that even the last guy has to be fixed? Because after the eight kings who died, it mentions an eighth, after the seven kings who died, it mentions the eighth king who doesn't die, and his name is Hadar. What's the, uh, Hadar means beauty. That's the beauty that comes out after we fix everything. We fix the seven kings Hadar, Hadar becomes king. which is the world of Tikkun. What does that mean? It means that we have to take the Tikkun down to the lowest of places. This is the in general all the avoda that we and the malachim are engaged in. Everybody, that's what the malachim are roaring and excitement, and we're actually causing more light, and they're receiving it. And becoming purified. Uh, that's all the avoda in the worlds of Bria, Tzir, and Asiya. Because they're all from the shattered vessels. They have all fallen from the world of Tayu, in Bria, Tzir, and Asiya. And they all need a tikkun to be elevated to become absorbed and unified in Atsilus. And the tikkun is through avoda. What kind of avoda? Avoda in a place and in a, in, in, in a setting where there is a lot of yeshus. Yeshus meaning a lot of ego, a lot of sense of separation. And in that very place, by every time we, who, when we're living in our animal consciousness, that so contradicts this truth that God is the only reality. And, he, and the animal inside of us wants to do whatever it wants to do. And every time we make, compel our animal, our body to do what Hashem wants, that's it. That's where we're getting into like the... We're, 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 we're bringing bittel to a place that naturally is, is not bittel, full of self. And we have to cherish those moments. Because on the one hand, we look at ourselves and we feel like such low lives. On the other hand, 
to realize now that that's the whole avoda. It's like the earlier generations couldn't even do it. They were like, you know, they, they were dealing with this, they were dealing with the, with the easy stuff. We're like, we're like dealing with the last and final dregs. The last and final dregs that need to be fixed at the very end. It's tough. I, I really wanted to take a break over here, but I, I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt the, the flow of, of concepts. So let's learn another few lines before we take a break. Now, in the physical world, shuhum magushim, which is, which is the most material and physical, like earth. Earth is the most and last and final product. It too has a redeemable quality. It too has a spiritual content. It too has a soul. Because it has a primordial spark. It has energy, spiritual. From the supernal earth. That's in the world of Tayu. The world of Tayu was a very godly world. There was too much light. And because there was too much light, the vessel shattered. So obviously, but it has a spark from that world. So therefore, it too, notwithstanding its caressness, and its lowliness and its and its thickness, it too can be become unified with God with the same unity like Atzilus. That's what's crazy. Physical Earth, because it has highest rochnim offer el yeshav olam atoyu shalifnei Atzilus, which is before Atzilus, because olam atoyu that collapsed world of atoyu, the world of chaos, preceded Atzilus, which means it's higher than Atzilus. Yeshbo yecholus lehistakein. It too can be fixed. That's why a person can never say, my body is so coarse. Actually, it says that Hashem enclosed the human being by all animals. It's, there's another mimer here in the same, in the same parsha. Next, next mimer, I think. The Alter Rebbe talks about why the human body is the only body that was created without spirit. Every body, a rabbit, was created instantly, body and soul. The human body was the only creature that was laying lifeless, plain earth. And the Altarib explains because the human body is the lowest, coarsest body in the world. An animal doesn't have such a coarse body like a human body. Why did God make the human body the coarsest? And the answer, he says, is a very interesting idea. He says, when you want to pick up a pile of stones and you have a fork, not a fork, like a like a shovel, like a, like a shelf, like it goes in, it will lift the stones, it will lift the bricks. So if you stick the stones in, if, if, if this, um, if this uh, what is it called, crane comes down and sticks in the middle of the pile and then it lifts it up, so even though it's, it's going to lift, but it's going to lift only half the pile, not the whole pile. The upper rows of stone are going to be lifted. If you want to lift the whole thing, you have to stick the, the fork under the bottom, bottom, bottom and lift it all the way from the bottom. Then, and when you lift the bottom, everything automatically is lifted because they're all piled up on top. That's why since the human neshama, the soul of man, is the one that came down to elevate everything, so therefore Hashem had to have him lifted from the very, very bottom. So therefore He gave him the coarsest body. That's why the body, it was the body without any soul. And it's earth, it's the lowest. And from there we lift it up. So that's what He's saying over here. It too can be... And what's the tikkun? See, in Bria in, in, and, in, and in Yetzirah, you only have a little bit bad. Mostly good. In Olam Asiyah Agashmi, bad is in everything. 
especially after the Eitz Adas, negative got, 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 got like spread in everything. So everything is filled with, with, with pollution, with, with Ra. So in order to fix something, what does it mean to fix? It means to, it means, to, the first thing you need to do is you have to, make a, you have to make an excavation. You have to separate the good of it and push away the bad. You have to separate the bad from the good. To remove the, the sigim. Sigim are the impurities. And the dregs. So that the good should be able to go up. So he says, In Bria, in Bria, most is good. But until you get to the world of Asiya, most is bad. That's why you need to have a big avoda, gam to be able to do this birur now, lahafridara to separate the bad. When does it happen? Nasai they say That's what davening is. Because here you go. I'll give a simple example. What is the ra? What's the ra of this world? The ra of this world is. A sense of separation. I don't sense that, that God created me, made me, or that even more, that he's my own reality. I don't sense that. So the ultimate expression of that is, I wake up in the morning, and if I'm not going to put in work, and if I'm not going to make an effort to change my outlook on the day and on life around me, I'm going to be a gluttonous animal all day long. I'm going to be pursuing what I want and I'm going to be looking for a good time. Of course, if I have to go to work and I'm busy, I have stuff to get done. But if whatever, it's a day of vacation, there's no work going on today, what am I going to do? I'm going to seek to have a good time. I want, I need, why not? So that's the crassness of Olam Apirut, the world of separation. So I have to change that change that. Instead of being filled with I want, I need I want to replace that. What does God want? What does God need? Because he's the reality of me. What do you do that? That is accomplished in prayer. Because in prayer is really what prayer is meant to really be is meant to be a consciousness shift. Because in prayer you're going to meditate on the emes of Hashem. And then, more than that, your desires, see, the point of prayer is that all other desires should suddenly fall away. I have no desire. only have one desire, and that is to cleave to God. That's the beer. That's the beer. Now, when prayer is done properly, that very same heart that has the ugliest cravings for things that are so unholy, so dark, so that very same heart is craving Hashem, yearning for closeness to God. It's the same physical heart, same physical heart that yesterday was who knows where, is today yearning for God. So that very dark space has been purified. The tov came out. The heart, the heart the, 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 is, is filled with, it has passion, but the passion is, 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 is mis- misinformed, misguided. That's the Ra. And mostly, what do you think? 
Let's, let's ask a simple question. Think about this world. Are most desires and passions of human beings, are they noble and godly, or most passion and desire of most human beings kind of ugly? I'm not saying that most people are doing ugly things and evil things, because people are trained to subdue their passions and their desires. But if you were to really evaluate the human heart, if we were one day to take all cravings, imagine they would, they would give, they would distribute a little chip and put it into every human being in the world and then measure how much craving and desire is for negativity and how much is for real noble things. You're going to see that Rubai Kikulei Ra, most of the world is bad, and a little bit of Taiv is there. When you go and you daven, what happens? You're changing that craving, you're changing that desire. That's the beer, that's the beer. Because once you change the heart, and you desire that everything else that you're going to do in the day is also going to be with godly content. Okay, we'll stop for here for a few minutes. Just give it a little break. And then we can continue. It's not that much longer. Aye. I'm holding right now. So we need to have a complete service also for the physical of the physical. To separate the bad. And this purification happens through davening. The whole order of prayer was set up for this. Davening is supposed to bring a heart that craves material, physical things to crave for God. That's already a beer, that's already a purification. A heart that was living in a world of such disconnect, therefore craving, seeing the world for its worldliness. Now for it to recognize the source of everything and yearn for that, that's a, that's a purification. It's a purification in the heart of man. And when the human physical heart is elevated, then that's going to elevate also the physical objects in which we're going to come into contact with later when we do a mitzvah with them and the like. In Libo, when a person puts his heart to Hashem, and what's the, and the Rebbe is explaining how powerful this ratzai is. This yearning, this racing, this thirst. Hi, no, Masha Kasev, this is what it says. Ki In you, God, aretz, I run. Gedud. And what it means over here is, I run through. Gedud means through the troops. That means when a, when, when, when a neshama goes on fire in prayer, it surpasses all the angels. 
it goes past the angels because it's it recognizes that the angels are not where the where 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 the light is because the angels are a little bit upstream they're a little bit higher in the descent of god's light to the world but they're not too much further up they're way 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 far away from the ainsof so the neshama when it's racing it's not like oh i want to be angelic Jewish spirituality is much deeper than other spirituality. Other, where, where, where one is satisfied, they go up and they feel a little tingling and experience, you know, some flying angels, and that's like perfect. That's not it. Ki or it's with you. I will run gedud. I will run past all troops, all troops, and not only that. I, and with you, adalig, I will leap over sure walls. Prayer is so strong that a person is leaping over walls. Which walls? Walls means that even if a person merits that it's during prayer, that it's revealed to him the makif lights, the sukkah, the makif lights, the encompassing lights, which are so much bigger than the, than the, than the indwelling light of God. The makif light, the makifim, the makifim are... Even that doesn't satisfy. Once the soul goes on fire in prayer, it will not be quenched unless it will look God face to face. It's thirsting for Ein Sof. That's, the, that's how strong the Ratzai is. Once the Ratzai is, is, is triggered, sure, he says, Pidish Chaim is a wall. These are the Makifim. Vadalik sure means I will jump over the walls of the Tzalaymish. I will leap over all the Makif lights. Because of the Ratzai that I want to cleave in the Ain't Sof himself. Mamish. Who is beyond all context of worlds. Hashem is not the indwelling light of God. That's not Him. That's a little crumb of His light. Or even the encompassing infinite light. That's, that's bigger than the world. That too is not Him. And the entire world of Atzilus. Which is called the world of Brudim. Nikra Adam da Asiya is called only the man of Asiya. Bulvad, the man of action, of Asiya, of this world. The Adam the Yetzira, Oilam Anakidim, Anakudim. And the world of Yetzira is called the world of Nikudim. Nikudim is the world of Tayo, which, see, what he's talking about, it's a very important idea. We're going to do it very briefly over here. Is by Yaakov's sheep, when Yaakov was sorting out the sheep by Lavan. It describes that Yaakov made a deal with Lavan that Lavan should give him the akudim, which means ankle-ringed sheep. Nekudim are speckled. And, and then um, finally, brudim. Brudim means, um, I forgot already, maybe spotted. Various different uh, sheep. So Darizal says that in these psukim, it's hinted to the various dimensions in creation. Higher than Atsilus. Before we spoke about the four worlds, Atsilus, Bri, Atsir, and Asiya. But it says Atsilus is called Olam Abrudim. Let me just explain quickly what that is. The beauty about Olam Atsilus is that every sphera, every attribute of Atsilus, every all the attributes of Atsilus are live in harmony with each other. Because Chesed is what we call Chesed is an entire parts of. What was it? Let me just. What parts of configuration? That means that Chesed itself has Gevura inside of it. You have Chesed Sheba Chesed, Gevura Sheba Chesed, Teferi Sheba Chesed. And the same is in Gevura. There is Chesed Sheba Gevura, Gevura Sheba Gevura. 
And that's why they can tolerate each other. Because they all incorporate. That's called Olam HaBerudim. Higher than that is the world of Nekudim, world of spots, where the chesed was extremely intense. It wasn't diffused yet. So the chesed was concentrated in one point of chesed. The gevura was concentrated in one point of gevura. You didn't see any details in it. And when there wasn't any details, they were head on, head on, head to head against each other. Chesed and gevura were an absolute contradiction to each other. And they had no point commonality where they can even talk. They couldn't have a conversation. And that's why, that's called Olam HaTov. So Olam HaTov is called Olam HaNekudim, the world of spots, where everything was, cut, was, a, was, an ex- there was a world of extremism. And that's where the sh- one of the reasons the, the, the vessels shattered, because they didn't tolerate each other. When it came down in, 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 in the next world, in Olam HaBerudim, things mellowed out a lot. The reason why they mellowed out was the Chesed started looking for details in itself. And it found within itself that it, it can use Gevura as well to enhance his chesed. And the Gevura also started looking into the details of itself and found that it too needs chesed in order for, it to, for its Gevura. So, and that's where you have common ground and they can, they can kind of live with each other. And the spheres coexist as opposed to. And that's called, so the Olam Abrudim is the world of partsufim, where every sphere is a full partsuf. And they and they configure full configuration. Nikudim is where everything is just a, an extreme point. And then there's higher than that called Olam Ha Akudim. What's Akudim? Akudim is ten energies in one vessel. It's where you have, and that's I think Adam Kadmon. In primordial man, you have one vessel. One vessel, Bikeli Yechod, and you have all Chesed Gevurah Teferis, because things are still pre. I mean, it's not a discussion for now about Rikos, because we learned about it at that great length in Parshas Noach a few years ago, and uh, another, another, another Shiurim, where the Chesed. Oh, I'll give you an example. It's like the, the Kochos Anefesh, the power of Chesed and Gevurah, when it's still in the Nishama before it emerges to be chesed and gevura. So over there, the chesed and gevura coexist totally, one. Because it hasn't yet come out to be, to be pronounced as chesed and gevura. Where is chesed and gevura clash where chesed is chesed? So there's three stages. There's the first stage in etzem anefesh, in the essence of the soul, where you have all the powers, but they're all unified with the soul. So over there, chesed is not chesed and gevura is not gevura. There's only one thing, there is soul. And the soul contains within itself all these powers. That's kind of an idea of called Olama Akudim, where things are still all in one. So there is an achtos over there. Why are they achtos? Not because they tolerating each other, but because they're still unified and one with their source. Then once they emerge a little outward, they become arch enemies. One is comfort. Then when you project it even further outward, that's when they become unified. So what he's saying over here is that when the person realizes that Olamat Silos is called Olamasia, Olamanakudim is called Olam Hayatsira, and Olam Ha I'm sorry, not Olam Haakudim, which is Adam Kadman, that that too is called only Bria. It's only a creation to God. It's not God Himself. 
So when a person meditates on how all these levels, Atzilus, and even Atoyo, and even Adam Kadmon, which are, each one is, each one is, what's the word? Uh, ex- exponentially higher and greater than the ones before, it's all nothing to Hashem himself. And when you have that meditation, then you don't want anything. And the Neshama says, I don't want anything but you, only Hashem himself. Like the author of the Alter Rebbe used to cry in middle davening. I don't want your Gan Eden, I don't want your Olam Haba, I only want you alone. We're ho- what? So we're holding Valdera, um V'chol Olam Atzilus, Olam Habridim, Nikra Adam Dasiya, it's called Adam Dasiya Bavad, the Adam the Yetzira, Olam Hanekudim. There's two lines beginning with the word Olam Olam. Yeah. And when one has this powerful Ratzo, when one has this powerful longing, you know what happens when you can create this within your heart? That you desire God only? The Kalipa that's in the heart falls away. All the darkness. In other words, when you can evoke the heart to long for Hashem, all the stuff, all the garbage, just that's the beer. That's it. in a shamer, the, 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 the that darkness that was once characterized the animal soul and the body dis- dissipates. All doers of evil scatter. Like it says, when they exalt God in their throats, a double edged sword in their hands. What does that mean? That by singing and praising God, that itself is cutting the klipa away. That chops the klipa away. That's what does vengeance against the nations. Meaning goyim over here means the vengeance against the klipa. Eradication of the klipa. By what? Through prayer. And this is the entire order of davening. It's all the exaltedness, exalting God's name. And therefore, ba through prayer, va'al yada, and through the davening, nasa ha that causes the bitter, the purification, and the separation of the good from the bad. And this is the avoida of tefila in ratzay. Shuhu bitter haman. This is called the rectification of the feminine waters. Man means feminine waters. In other words, we are feminine waters is the is the is the is the idea of lifting something up towards God, lifting something from the world up towards Hashem, elevating something to become reattached, lifting something up, like like the like the woman rising up to the man. It's the world rising up for a unification with God. So prayer is that from below reaching upward. In other words, the creation wants to rip itself out from the clutches of the klipa that are holding it. It wants to free itself and it wants to reattach itself. But what you have over here is a being that wants to reattach, but it hasn't yet achieved attachment. It wants, it's, it's desiring to break free from the shackles of this misinformed existence. It wants to, but it's not there yet. In order for it to become one with to have its ultimate unification with God, 
You need God's light to descend into it. This is the person yearning upward, but you need Hashem to come down. And, and that happens when you learn Torah and do mitzvahs, after you daven. And that's called the purification of the masculine waters. In other words, the, the feminine waters, which means the, 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 the which we're rising towards Hashem. And then Hashem's light has to come down and complete that beer. Take hold of that object and incorporate it into godliness. And this is the idea that Arizal talks about, that the mad is mevarer man. Mad is mayan duchrin, male waters. Man is mayan nukfin, feminine waters, female waters. So the male waters come down to match the female waters, and then you have the perfect uh, connection that takes place. There has to be a amshacha, a drawing forth, a very high amshacha, from the world of atzilus, from the world of emanation. For the for this for now for the human being, you davening. You're saying you want to be connected, but then you have to become connected. Well, when you're learning Torah, it's not you anymore. When you're learning Torah, your mind is hollowed out from you. Guess who moved into your mind? You're thinking Hashem's thoughts. Your, be- your brain became another brain for God's mind. Isn't that awesome? First you want to get close. Then you start learning Torah. So instead of you thinking your thoughts and your ideas, you, have, you vacated your mind. And God is now thinking in your brain. His thoughts, His ideas are coming through you. In other words, you have been swallowed up by Hashem. And His brain, His mind is occupying now your brain. And that's the difference. Prayer is our words. Torah is God's words. Prayer is our feelings. Torah is Hashem's feelings. Same as in a mitzvah. It's His deeds. But, so then why do I need prayer? Let me just go ahead and do mitzvahs. And learn Torah all day. Why do I need prayer? And the answer is, while the person is in their crassness, filled with self, God doesn't, can't come down and fill you with his light. You're filled with klipa. God can't reside with his klipa. So the person first has to wrestle himself away from the klipa. When he yearns for God, he and the klipa falls away. Once there is a pure heart, then God comes down to reside in that heart. That's why there has to be first ratzai, what's called bitter, the purification from below. And then there can be shuv, the drawing down of masculine waters of light from above. In order to be, have that bitl and that integration, literally like in the world of Atsilus, that your physical brain should become as godly as Chachma of Atsilus. That's what happens. In a total unity, in Atsilus, what is the situation? God is one with his. Life forces. God is one with his, with his garments, with his vessels. Chad Mamish, he's literally one. That is accomplished through Torah and mitzvahs. They are literally, they literally, the Torah and the mitzvahs, they are a drawing down from the supernal unifications of Atzilus. You're just materializing that in the Gashmi world. 
You're bringing the same ideas of Atzilus down into the physical. Because the Torah and God are one. So when you're thinking those thoughts, now God is now filling your mind. And that's Torah. How about mitzvahs? The Ramach Pekudim, the 248 commandments, are the Zohar recalls them, and Revach Evarim the Malka, they are the 248 limbs of the king. By doing them, God is extending his limb into your limb. Your hands and your fingers are not yours right now. They are Hashem's hands and feet. Evarim Mamesh, they're literally Hashem's Evarim. Shem Kalim, they are Kalim, Lo'or Vechayas Hanimshach. They are Kalim, the, 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 the mitzvahs are Kalim to the light, which is the Vechayas and the energy flow of the Ein Sof. Hanimshach, Umelubish, Umespashet Behem. It's drawn, enclosed, and, and expanding in them, Me'orin Saif Baruchu. From the Orin Saif itself, Mamish. Ella, and why is it so physical? It descends so low and incorporates itself into physicality for one reason, so that we can lift up the phys- so we can connect physicality too to Hashem. For the sake of the rectification of the physical world, the and its coarseness, in order to in order to raise up the very crust of existence, the very outer, outermost level of creation, and that it should be included, that also the life force of the physicality of this world should become included in the supernal light and in the supernal energy. Basically, God is bending down all the way. All the, like similar to what we learned before Yom Kippur, that's like a tree. Like you bend it down and then it flies back up. Over here too, God is bending down all the way that we can hop onto Him. Our bodies. That's why the chayas, the supernal life force, needed to descend and to become so physical so that it can enter into the physical time and space, physical reality, and attach that state also with Hashem. This will understand When this will understand the advantage and the quality of learning Torah, the and the fulfillment of mitzvahs in this world, more than the than the uh, fear and the love of the neshama before it came down. In other words, the mitzvahs are much higher than the neshama's love and the fear. Even the neshama's love and the fear when it was up there. Even though the neshama has the most purest love and the purest, very high fear, very, 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 even much greater than angels. The love of the neshama and the fear of the neshama when it was in heaven is much higher than angels. Even higher than the malachim of that world. Neshamas come from different worlds. Malachim are also in different worlds. The neshamas of any given world are always higher than the malachim of that world. Because the, mal- the neshamas are the pnimius of the world and the malachim are the chitzonius of the world, the external part of the world. In any given world, according to what it is, as it is known, that the malachim are from the external part of the world, and the neshamas are from the internal part. 
im kolze, notwithstanding that special greatness, ma'achar shanashamu b'chinas nivra, since after everything is said and done, the soul is a creation, u'mechudesh yashmeayin, it is something from nothing, and even though it comes from God, it's from God's thoughts. Well, thought is not, is not the thinker. There's the thoughts and the thinker. It's not unified in her emanator, like the Torah and mitzvahs. Torah and mitzvahs are nothing other than God's will and God's wisdom. The neshama is Hashem's thoughts. So therefore, the neshama is still a being. She loves God. She fears God. But she's still she. Torah and mitzvahs is not. Torah and mitzvahs is God. It's Hashem extending Himself all the way down to the physical. But the problem is, once Torah and mitzvahs comes down into the physical world, what can happen to it? Once Torah and mitzvahs come down into the physical world, the Torah and mitzvahs themselves, because of the coarseness of the physical world, we can cease, we can stop seeing the Torah and Mitzvahs as a channel for God. I mentioned that earlier. The Torah and Mitzvahs can be seen just as a self-help, whatever, or eat kosher so that these are ways that a person will be, it's meant to be physically healthy. Which is ridiculous. It's true, I'm sure it's true. Kosher has to be healthy because if God set up the world that way. But that's a consequence of kosher. Kosher in essence. It's God's infinite will, whatever it is. It's Hashem, that's what it is. The idea of kosher, mitzvah kosher, or anything else. It's not. Oh, but a person can lose, doesn't see that. Once it comes into the physical, the, phys- the physical, that's why you need to spiritualize the mitzvahs. Because if you do mitzvahs and you don't learn any of the stuff that we're learning here, and you don't have the motivation and the excitement and the inspiration when you do Torah and mitzvahs, then the Torah and mitzvahs can become so physical that you one doesn't, then, the, the, then it acting as a, as a channel and an expression of God, even though in essence it's hidden in it, but it's so hidden it's not seen. So it's not really apparent in the world. The point is that it should be revealed in the world. That's why, that's what, that's what the myth, that's what the Jew get, that's why you have to put your soul energy your love and your fear into the mitzvah so that the mitzvah, even though it's done in the physical, is not a physical act. It's a spiritual act being done in a physical form. So if you davened with love and with awe and then you're running to do a mitzvah, it's, a, it's not physical, even though it looks physical. Um, Nevertheless, is the point that he wants that he's bringing now. To have Torah without love and fear, doesn't fly, doesn't fly up. Since it came down into physical, it's remember I gave the example last time we were learning. I mentioned it before, of taking the tall tree and bending it down, and then you put a hat down. Then you leave go of the tree, and the tree flies back up. But what happens if you bend the big tree down and you hook your hat up, but then you don't leave go of it? Instead, you put it under a rock and it keeps it down here. So then, what's going to happen? The hat doesn't. Whatever you're tying to it, the flag or whatever it is that you want to put up there, is not going up because it remains down here. 
So by the Torah mitzvahs bending down into this world, if we don't release it back up into the spiritual, then you don't see its godliness, its godly quality. It becomes tied down and bogged down here below. It's in a state of, of descent from Hashem's light. It's not expressing God's light. It's also in a fallen state. It's almost like the Torah and the mitzvahs have also fallen. Or they too have become disconnected. Of course, only externally. But yet, that's enough to create a block. Because internally, they're Hashem's will, no matter what. Even if you're doing it to snap a picture with someone, or putting on tefillin, so we can take the picture. Even though there's no kavanah there at all. Internally, it's always Hashem's will. But obviously, if the person, if you bring in the, the kavanah, the godliness can shine. But when you have love and fear, we turn over the page. In a visible way, that the oirin soif that's in Torah is drawn down. In a, in a state of total unity between God Himself and the physical object in which you're doing the mitzvah or the physical body of the person. In the sense where then you see that Hashem and the Torah is one. Because you have love and fear of God, so you sense the godliness that's in the Torah. As stated elsewhere, that when you're learning Torah for the proper, for the right, with the right intentions, Hashem says, I consider it as if you have made me. What do you mean? You have created me limbs to express myself into this world. You're actually constructing me. You're taking pieces of the world that are not me, so to speak, and making, revealing, you're making me, you're building me in this world. Piece by piece. When you learn Torah, you're extending the Vav of God's name into the world, because the Torah is Vav. Shehut Talmud Torah, which is Talmud Torah. Or Shehut Teferes, or that is Teferes, which is the Vav. And through the mitzvahs, which is general mitzvahs, you're drawing the hay of Hashem, Shal Shem Avaya, Kenoida. And in general, through Torah and Voda and Gemilas Chasadim, you're bringing down the supernal Adam. A human being has three channels the right side, the left side, and the middle. Well, Torah is the middle. Tzedakah is the right side, and Avoda is the left side. So you're actually creating the divine man into creation. What? Torah is the center, Tzedakah. Tzedakah is the right, and Avoda, prayer and all that, is the left. Um, on the right side. So you're drawing down three vavs from the Pasuk. It's called the Hamshacha of the Vavim. Vav is a flow. The three vavs are These are three Pasukim in Parshas Bishalach that each Pasuk has 72 letters. So the Shem Ayin Beis is in those Pasukim. They all begin with a vav because they're the three vavim that are nimshach through Torah. It's basically giving God a 
a, a, a physical presence in this world. So Hashem's light is extended all the way down into Olam HaAsiyah, into the physical world. And this, week, this year is the year of Vavim, Tavshin Ayin Vav, the year of the Hamshacha. May we merit to see the ultimate Vav of Hashem's light coming down all the way, reaching Masiyah. Shahavavin and Hamshachis Mahayudin Shabiroi Shavavin. The Vavin are Hamshacha from the Yud that's on top of the Vav. So there's the Yud, the Ain Sof, from there were Mamshachit down all the way into Asiya, into this physical world. So it comes out from this level, Eretz In this dynamics that we just discussed, what goes first? In, while we're still in the middle of the project of rectifying this world and connecting it to godliness, so what comes first? First we need to rectify the physical through prayer, as we said earlier. Once we're elevating the feminine waters, then comes down the flow from above. That's the idea of Eretz first. Eretz, as we said in the beginning of the class, is the, is the ruts, the racing. Shamayim is the, is the masculine. Eretz is the female. And Shamayim is the husband, is the water from above. Torah is Torah and mitzvahs is a flow from above. Prayer is the Eretz. So what comes first? Prayer comes before Torah. That's in the world that we have today. Because the sages have an argument when God created the world, what was first? Did he create first Eretz or did he create first Shemayim? So he's going to say, in our world that we have today, first earth, then Shemayim. In the Messianic world, after Mashiach comes, it's first Shemayim, then Eretz. Eretz is the racing of Davening. It's the rectification, the purification of the feminine waters first. And then comes heaven. After that comes the ashpa of the masculine waters from above. Al through Torah because the heaven is the mashpia. Heaven is the one that gives. Like it says, Hashem covers the skies with clouds. He prepares for the earth rain. to the waters of heaven. Yeah. That, and, and what is that? That's the mad. The masculine waters should fix and elevate the feminine waters from below. is to elevate them. In other words, again, as we said earlier, you know, a good marshal that's given to this, you can't have the waters from above without first having the earth. If you don't plow the earth, you can have rain come from today till tomorrow. It's not going to produce anything. The earth first has to be soft to receive it. That's the idea. You have to have the feminine waters. And he brings a very interesting idea that um, Yitzchak wanted to bless Esav. And he wanted to, because he thought by blessing him, he'll elevate him. He knew who Esav is. But he knew that he has incredible potential. And he thought that if he's going to give him the blessings, he's going to, basically, he's going to zap him with such light He's gonna, that's going to break the klipa and it's going to reveal the soul. And Esau is going to come out. It was a mistake. I mean, it wasn't supposed to be that way because what would have happened the opposite. If Yitzhak would have done that, Esau, because Esau was not rectified, he would have used that surplus of energy to become a greater monster than he was before. Because he would have grabbed that energy and used it for the opposites. 
That's the idea that he's saying you can't have the samshach of Torah and mitzvahs if you don't first refine. There has to be a refinement from below. When there is a refinement, then you can receive these great, powerful hamshachas and, and make the connection. Or else, other rabbit says, if a person doesn't daven and just has Torah and mitzvahs, a lot of times he has this extra energy, and this energy is not ends up going to the wrong things because he's not, uh, and he, he only gets a bigger Yetzirah from, from the mitzvahs that he did and from the Torah that he learned. He ends up getting a big Yitzhahara and the Yitzhahara runs away with all that extra energy and it becomes so it's very dangerous. Torah mitzvahs is a dangerous business. Because you're 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 like you're a loaded gun. You know what I'm saying? You've got that like so the Yitzhahara is not looking, he's only looking. That's why we always have we anybody realize you get a much bigger Yitzhahara after the Chagim and after any time spirit a high spiritual time, it's like the Yitzhahara is like he's kicking. The reason for that is because there is so much positive energy there that if he can only, if it only, it's a parasite. He wants to like, it's juicy. It's a juicy situation. So that's why you have to have first earth, which is refinement, and then you can have shamayim, which is a flow. Um, we want ultimately that the world of Asiya should be elevated into Atsilas, the Iuvichiyuchad, because he is one with them. You first need to have the purification of the man, the feminine waters, then the masculine water should come down, to purify and to fix it and to finally But if you don't have first the raising of the feminine waters, the, ma- the masculine waters on its own will not, will not do a beer. And that's the idea of why only Torah without prayer first is not going to work. And this is our all the days of this exile. Evil is still very strong. We need to fight with the Ra. Ula freedom and atoyv and separated from good. But in the future, when Mashiach is going to come speedily in our days, when the entire work of purification will be over, and it's going to be fulfilled, death is going to be eradicated eternally. And the spirit of impurity, Avir Hashem is going to remove from the earth. Then everything is going to be already in, in the level of Tikkun. That means our physical world is going to be on the same level of unification with Ein Sof, with God, like Atzilus, Kiba Atzilus Mamish, like literally with Atzilus. Every single physical human being is going to be like Rabshinan Bayochai like we said earlier, and we're all going to be called in God's name. And there's going to be the unification down here below like it is above. So then what's going to happen then? Okay, so we're unified. What's going to happen? Doesn't mean the game is over. Okay, we're unified. Now what? Now deeper levels. Because let's understand. Remember we said before, Atzilus is 
the last and final stage of the divine before creation. We said Atzilus is the world of, we said before, the world of, conf- the world of configurations which everything is harmonized, but why are they harmonized? Precisely because they're weaker already. We spoke about this earlier. When the energies become more diffused, they become weaker. When they become weaker, they can tolerate each other. What did we say? Higher than Atzilus is what? Olam Hane Kudim. Where you have the extreme extremities of each midah, of each attribute. And they don't... So even though it's, it was a world of tayu, it was a world of collapse, but it's still higher than Atzilus. The energy is far more intense. And we said even higher than that is the world of Akudim. What's the world of Akudim? Where all the Sefirot are still in their source. So what he's saying is like this. Once we elevate Asiya to be elevated and evened out with Atzilus, then the entire four worlds, Bri, Yatsir, and Asiya, and Atzilus, all four worlds are suddenly going to go on a major, major elevation. Where are they going to be elevated into? Everything is going to be elevated into the levels of Akudim, which is the same level as Adam Kadmon. Everything is going to be in Torah. But that is no more going to be our Avoda. That's going to come from God from above. A complete, total fusion with, with God. Much deeper, much, much deeper than Atzilus. Endlessly deeper and higher than Atzilus. And that's the idea when it says that, that journey Mashiach is going to lead us into that. It says about Mashiach that he is going to be Yarim Venisa Vagava Mo'id. Hine Yaskil Avdi. My servant is going to be smart. Yaskil is going to be wise. Yarim is going to be elevated. Venisa Vagava and high Mo'id. Five levels. That means he's, he's going to enter way past Atzilus, carrying within the worlds, carrying everybody with him to that unified state. In that state of total unification, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. What is the new heaven and the new earth? A new earth is an inward pull. Heaven is an outward projection. There's going to be a new definition for the inward and the outward projection of that world. And that's what he's explaining over here. Uh, and the tachlis is, it should illuminate the snoitzitz, and it should sparkle. Gilui oir, a revelation of light, oilam ha'akudim, of the world of akudim, shalamailam oilam atzilis. It's much higher than the world of atzilis. Like it says by Mashiach, my servant will be wise, Yarum will be elevated, Venisa, and uh, and he will be go high, Vagava Ma'oid, very high. Vizao Pnimius Atik. It's the inner innermost of the crown. Shani is gala that is going to be revealed. And what's going to happen at that time is And then there's going to be new Nishamas born. Souls that were never inside Adam Arishan's neshama. All of our neshamas are all part of Adam. Our neshamas are all part of the scheme of rectification. We're all here to rectify the world. In a sense, we need a tikkun, even though neshama doesn't really need a tikkun, but we need to do this tikkun in the world. But the new neshamas that are going to be born after Mashiach comes 
are coming from a place that doesn't need any tikkun and is not, it's she'ein be'emchen as birur. There's no more birur at all of these neshamas. The nekala neshamas Hashem ha'olam, because all the neshamas that we have now, hen she'nichlalu ba'adam ha'rishon. These are all neshamas that were part of Adam ha'rishon. She'trichan birur v'tikkun. They needed birur and a tikkun. We have to understand how this doesn't conflict with Tanya, where the Tanya brings from the Arizal, from the Eitz Chaim, that neshama doesn't need a tikkun. And the neshama only comes down in the world to fix the world, to fix the animal soul, and to fix the body. Here he says that our neshamas need a birur and need a tikkun. So how does this not conflict with that is a good question, which I don't know right now. Um, it, that's why I was trying to kvetch. I'm trying to like fit in that when he says it needs a birur and the tikkun means it needs to do a tikkun. Not that it needs a tikkun, but it needs to do a tikkun. Okay. But the words imply that it itself needs a tikkun. So which... Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it is something that just bothers me a little bit because in Tanya he says that the Nishamas don't need a tikkun at all. And they only came into this world lesakein, to fix the body and to fix the animal soul. But they don't need a tikkun. Yes? What? Yeah. Yeah, no, but that's a t- it's again, that's not a tikkun in the neshama. It's a tikkun, it's a tikkun of the body. That means the neshama doesn't have anything broken in it. It's, it's, yeah. Vehein hein sheyardu, and these neshamas that we have today, they're all coming mechitsonius atik. They're coming from the external part of the crowd. Sheneshtal shaluk kaseidina madregis, that has progressed in the order of levels. It says an amazing thing. It says that all lights, every revelation that has ever been since the world was created including the unifications that happen in the highest spheres to create souls which is we know the zivugim there are unions between sphero to create souls whenever there is a, an infusion of extra godliness in the world it's because there's a fusion between attributes that bring new souls into the world all those it says from the beginning of time and forever was only from the the highest that was that was involved in it was the external the external part of Atik, the external part of the internal part of the crown. The crown of Hashem Kesar has two parts to it. Erech Anpin is considered the external, and Atik Yomin is the internal. Now generally we don't have any Amshacha from Atik. Atik is like way beyond. At certain amazing moments when big miracles happened for the Jewish people, there was a Hamshacha from Atik, from the innermost of the crown. But it's only the chitzonius of the of the attic. The Arizal says Pnimius attic was never revealed until Mashiach comes, and that's what he's saying over here. Everything that happened from whenever what till today, it's all the chitzonius of attic. Attic really means God's very self. Sheneshtal shaluk esedera madregis. And that's not called really new. Because whatever was, because since it's from the chitzonius of Hashem, it's already considered allocated to the creation. So even if it never was tapped into, it's not considered a real chidush. A real chidush is only when we will tap into the innermost of Atik Yomen. And that's for the creation of these new neshamas and the, and the bringing about of this new light into the world. 
The real chiddush is the neshamas that are coming then. That which never came down. That's the innermost of atik yomen. That never came to any revelation. He's explaining why primis atik was never revealed. Because the order of evolving light is always that the external of the higher level reveals itself to the next level. Always the external of one level reveals itself to the next level, but not the panemius of the higher level. That's why the panemius of Atik was never revealed. There's going to be a revelation of this new light. Totally beyond the Akudim, And this is called the world of Akudim. That is way above Atzilus. Because here he's explaining some of the ideas which I spoke about earlier. Because in Atzilus, which is a world of Tikkun, things are already very... Things were set up. Where things are already in an evolved state. Chesed, Gevura. Each thing is... Chesed, each thing is defined. You have wisdom... It's not with the knowable wisdom, but it's still chachma. You're dressing yourself in chachma in this. In all the levels, antu maven. That means Hashem is entering into all the spheres. And they are sources for Chachma and Chesed of Briyash and Chachma Yediyah, which is already a knowledgeable Chachma, the Chesed Yediyah. So what does that show you? That even they that are higher, since there is source for a knowable Chachma or a knowable Chesed, means it has already some kind of a relationship. But the world of Akudim, is where all the powers are still unified with their source. They're still unified in one keli. Over there you can't even call it chachma or chesed klal. The gilui zeh and this revelation, nikra shamayim chadashim ve'eretz chadashim. When this dimension of existence is going to be revealed, something so deep and so high, and the olamos, the worlds, are going to be receiving from such a, from energy that is so deep inside its source, that's the whole idea. It's deep inside its source, where it's one with the Ain Sof. Then there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But this is not going to be like today there's a heaven and an earth, but who created heaven and earth? Yeah, but what does the Pasuk say? That's created through a filter, through Elohim. Elohim is a filter. Elohim created heaven and earth. But this new heaven and earth that we're talking about here, being that creation is going to be so unified with, with God's very essence, it's called Hashemayim HaChadashim V'aretz HaChadashah That I myself, not the name of Elohim, God's very self is creating. Ani Daika, who amatzala elyon baruchu, this is the emanator himself. This new innovation... And what is that going to be revealed down here? We're going to have these new souls from that, from that dimension.
And what are they going to do? It says they're going to crown each and every one of us with their souls are going to be crowned on our neshama. It's going to be giving powerment from their neshama into our neshama to enter into these very, very, very lofty states of, of godliness. But why is it called that heaven and earth? How can you even define a heaven and an earth? It's only Abish there. It's such unification. He says, no. Since after all, there is some kind of a revelation. Even Akudim. What comes after Akudim? After Akudim comes Nekudim. And after Nekudim comes Berudim. That means that Akudim is a state where God is beginning to identify within Himself, so to speak. Ten attributes that are all one with Him. They're all one Kali. But it's still there is. So it's a mucker to a mucker. It's a source of a source for, for, for definitive creation. So you have to have some very subtle something that is similar to the evolving order. And what, and what do you have? So just like in the further... I'm sorry that I'm being so unclear over here because this is, this is very Kabbalistic and unless we want to sit here another three hours, uh, we're, we're, we're not going to get through this. And since in the later evolving heaven and earth materialized, we, ultimately from this, we have to say that even there, there is in a very subtle way, there is Shemayim Va'aretz. But what is Shemayim Va'aretz over there? But over there, heaven is first and then earth. What does this mean? For what I was talking about earlier, right at the beginning of the class. If anybody remembers, anybody remembers right at the beginning of the class, I was talking about this. As long as the creation is something other than God, so the way God relates to it is that the creation first yearns for His light and then He responds and projects. Once the creation becomes so intimately one with Him, then the order is the opposite. First He projects, and then the light goes back in, out and in. So first it's mati, it arrives. First it's shamayim. Shamayim is called mati. The light is. Whenever you say I say this, people get confused. They think about so they're talking about a guy named mati and my mati. It's not about mati. I remember when Bachar learned this in yeshiva, and they're just like young pishers of sixteen, seventeen, and they're learning. And they're learning these deep Kabbalistic concepts, and the guy is saying, "Yeah, it's this, it's Ratzim Meshuvah, and now it's Mati and Loi Mati." And this guy's thinking about, "I'm just." It's funny that we make these silly associations. In any case, what's the idea? Mati v'Loi Mati is the same idea of Ratzay v'Shuv. The only difference is Ratzay v'Shuv is when we're dealing with two separate entities. So, the, for example, the wife and a husband, she's she separates from him, so she's Ratzay. She has a yearning for him. He responds to her. That's called shuv. Directing light to her. Directing attention to her. Whatever it is. When however there's two entities that are fused together and they become one or something that has never been two in the first place but it's more like a light and a vessel. So then you have mati. The light is energy. The energy is infused into the vessel and it's returning back. It's like a heartbeat like we said earlier. And that's the 
state of creation that is, is going to be, the Shemayim and the Aretz, which Mashiach is going to bring this, this physical heaven and earth into that Shemayim and Aretz. And that's why there's no more mitzvahs anymore. Because mitzvahs are when it's Ratzai Veshuv. Shuv is the mitzvah, the Torah and the mitzvahs. After Mashiach comes, it says mitzvahs betelos, mitzvahs are nullified. Not after Mashiach, after According to one opinion, there's no more mitzvahs. Because there's no more need for this ratzai and shuv. Because what are you what are you bring, what are you drawing down if down here is already connected? What do you have to draw down? It, it is in a constant state of this attachment. Well, what then is there's still the breathing in and out, there's still the excitement of of going deeper and deeper and deeper. Um Mati means he wants to give. Loimati is a tenua inside of him. He pulls back because the keli can't hold it. When you're working the other way around, first you have a racing up, which means the lower waters are crying, we want to be up, and then God responds with the heavenly waters. That's when it's two, two separate things. And this is why this heaven and earth, it says, it's coming from God Himself, not through Elohim. There's no more blockages that I am making. They stand before me. Before means, they're standing all the time. He's saying, but that means that this level is really here today as well. There is a level called Akudim. But today, it's billions and billions and billions of light years away. Spiritual light years. It's deep, it's hidden. So it's, it's there now. When Mashiach comes, our consciousness and the physical world, with Atzilus and everything in it, is going to be elevated into this state. This is going to be revealed and opened to, to creation. It's concealed. And this is in front of me. Now we're going to read the last part. I'm sorry, I'm going very quickly now, but the Navi is telling us that don't think, now we get the last point that we spoke about earlier. Don't think that how about all your Torah and mitzvahs that you've done, here's the question. How about all the Torah and mitzvahs that we did, we did while the worlds were not in this how about the work that was done by the old Nishamas, not the new Nishamas? There's the new Nishamas that are going to bring down a whole different Shemayim and Aretz, a whole different heaven and earth. But what's going to be with the work that was done earlier? We might think it's going to be totally canceled and nullified in this great revelation. And the answer is no. All of our mitzvahs that we've done in this state of separation that we're doing now, they themselves are going to have a mitzvah upgrade. The mitzvahs are going to be upgraded into the Mashiach uh, higher dynamics. And that's what the Pasig is saying. Bisar Anavi and the Navi is telling us, Loimer, Shekain Yamid Zarachem Veshimchem, so to your children and your name. Zarachem Ubchinazriyas Hamad. All of your plant Zarachem also means your planting. All your planting of the masculine waters, Ayadeyatoira through Toira. Shatoira Shinislapsha bin Yanam Gashmiyam. Because Torah that is enclosed in physical things, who come with Zriya Sagar and is like planting seeds. But Afar, 
What's the relationship? Why is it called like planting? Even though the, the, the essence of the seed gets decays. The power that's in it still causes vegetation. When you put a seed in the ground, the seed decays. But the energy that's in it causes something to grow. The same is also Torah. Torah comes down and speaks about physical things. That decays, but the ain't sof that's in it is always there. That's why it doesn't grow. How do you see that even after it decays, it's still the power is still there? How do you see? That even after it decays, the power is still there? Because... You see that what, what is going to grow out? If I plant a seed of orange, what's going to grow out? An orange. I once it decayed, why is it growing an orange? It's just decayed in the earth. The answer is that it releases a power that's not, that's not substance, but yet it's there. Umezera, dogon, and from the seed of, 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 of dogon, of, 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 of wheat or grain, ain't it esrog, will not grow at esrog. Kumashikasa limineyu, as it said this week, that everything grows limineyu. Even though it's, why is the Torah called planting? Because even though it wasn't clothed in physical things. And there are those who say that the physical part of the mitzvahs will be nullified. The light of the Torah will always and it causes Yeshua in the earth, which means it causes to attach the physical earth with Atzilus, Livraya I don't always live I know what this word is. I think it's supposed to be Levarer. I'm almost 100% sure. Levarer Esaman, to rectify, to purify the, 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 the feminine waters, and to elevate it higher and higher. So that's why it's called Zarachem, a seed. Because even though, Veshimchem, it means, that means like this, every, every time we learn Torah in this world, even though we learn something physical and we think it's gone, it creates something and it attaches something eternally to God. Veshimchem and your name, that's referring to mitzvahs, our mitzvah observance. Because your name is who Kabbalah's oil Malcha Shemayim. We accept upon ourselves the yoke of heaven. Shemakablam and Mitzvah Baruch, which we accept with, by doing God's mixes. Fenikr Bechina Shem, Shenikr Shemayis Baruch Al Yisrael, because his name is called upon the Jewish people. But Kabbalah's Malchusay Aleim, when they accept his kingdom upon them. Vezao Malchusay Beratzay Kibli Aleim, that his kingdom they, they accept willfully. Mashenken Al Akom Umoishel, Veloy Melech, Angayim Hashem is a ruler, but not a king. You're only a king with will. So we say, Shimchem, your name, because you accepted God willfully, and God's name is upon you through doing mitzvahs. And this is called the crown of a king. It's called your name. Which is the hamshacha of Torah and mitzvah shabba olam azeh that you did in this world, and hamshachas hamad ma olam atzilus. This is the drawing forth of the masculine waters from the world of atzilus to olam atikun, which is the world of tikun. Kedei levadan aman sha olam asiyah. In order to rectify the feminine waters that rise from the world of asiyah, she yuchlo ba atzilus that it should be included in atzilus. Kenis kaleals. We said earlier, 
And we would think that, okay, this is an accomplishment that we're doing now. The Imkain La'asad Lave, when Mashiach will come, Keshayushlam V'yugmar Habirah, when they will complete the entire bitter, the Yahakal Oilam Atikun, and everything is going to be already in the world of Tikun. The Yisnoit Seitz, and then it will start sparkling, the Yisgale, Gili Or Chadash Elyon, a new light through Mashiach and through the new Nishamis, Mepchena Shamayim Chadashim, the Eretz Chadashim, from the new heaven and the new earth. Sal Kedai Tachamina, I would have thought, Shaloyaliya Oila Torah Mitzvahs, that our Torah Mitzvahs that we do now was planted in Atzilus. But now when we, when we ascend higher than Atzilus, and higher and higher and higher, then our Torah Mitzvah is a, is, a, is a story of yesterday. It's an old story. It was, an, it was, a, it was a, it'd be a forgotten accomplishment. It's gone. They will stay in Olam Atzilus. They will not continue into this Akudim unification. That's why the Navi is saying, This is not what it'll be. Even that which you've done, your plantings and your name, your Torah, they will be upgraded into this unity of the new Shemayim and the new Oretz. There is the now, the our Shemayim and our Oretz, but it's not going to be like, like last year's car models, that, you know, it's last year's thing, goodbye, no one looks at it anymore. It's going to come along with us into that Giloy and into that revelation. Kigam because even after we finish all the birurim, the yuchlaluba atzilus, and everything's going to be absorbed in atzilus, oid zois tia it will continue to rise, the iloy achar iloy, with elevation after elevation, sheyisalu gam ba'olam ha'akudim, because they're going to be elevated also into the world of akudim, even though that's not our work anymore, that's coming from God, yet, that is going to happen to all of our Torah mitzvahs. In other words, it will always be precious to us. It will always be meaningful to us. It will always stand there with its godliness, even after the work is over and we're moving into a whole different whatever stage of existence. This will always be there. Zehu Inyan. I'm sorry that I was impatient in the end to explain. I just for some reason I'm a little... uh, I have to get myself back into being able to teach four hours.